This coverage is live and uncensored, so if you have any small children present, you may want to have them leave the room. What's going on, guys? My Take Radio, episode 227 for Thursday, May 8th, 2014. Our call number is 347-324-3541. Again, that call number is 347-324-3541. You can also use our feedback line, 347-815-0687. That's 347-815-0MTR. All right, for those of you new to the show, I'm your host, Rich, and My Take Radio is a variety show covering... News and opinions for the world of MMA, professional wrestling, video games and technology, as well as entertainment. This show is rated M for Mature, so if you are under the age of 18, you're on your own. Don't have your parents email me. <laughs> Simple as that. All right, so we got a lot to discuss this week, but before we get into that, just got to give you guys some updates uh, with regards to the site and a couple of other things that we are working on. Of course, there's brand new content on MyTakeRadio.com, including... Some stuff for watchdogs that Slick put up a little while ago. Um, a couple of articles from our very own Quark, uh, Santi's face heel of the week, and some other new stuff as well that we are working on. In addition to that, I am actually testing out, and you guys are gonna, you guys are gonna get a kick out of this. Um, I figured I, you know, we're using this new program, and it's allowing us to do some different stuff, and I actually am able to run. A multi-cam setup so right now you guys are seeing the first camera that I'm using it's a Logitech C920 uh, broadcasting in 720p HD but if I wanted to I can s switch to a secondary camera which is this one this is a uh, Microsoft life cam studio now the reason I wanted to show you guys this is because these are the types of things that we're gonna try and integrate into the show with the addition of patreon now, we launched our Patreon last week, and it's very easy. Um, basically, if you want to support the show, you can go to patreon.com forward slash mytakeradio, and what you do is you can support the show either a dollar an episode, a dollar a week, or we only did a dollar and five bucks, and basically every time we put up a new episode, you throw in your support every time we publish one. Nothing crazy. Um, originally we were going to do it monthly, but we could do it per episode. We're trying to test it out so far. And basically you want to help out the show. You throw your support behind it per episode. It allows us to get better equipment, uh, cover more events, travel, all the stuff that will allow us to make my take radio, the site, the show and the brand better for you guys. So we are running a, a, a two camera setup just, just to test it out. But the dual camera setup isn't something I'm going to be using for the show unless we got um, an extra person here doing the show with me. But the other thing we're going to start using it for is for 
product reviews, unboxings, etc. Because I'll be able to set it up on a tripod and show you guys some of the stuff that we're going to be working on. Right now, I got these very, very nice uh, Bello Digital headphones, which um, if you guys have gone to MyTakeRadio.com, we reviewed uh, the first pair that they sent us. Bello was nice enough to send us a brand new pair, and we are going to be giving these away once our review is published. In addition to that... This, ladies and gentlemen, is Loot Crate. Now, Loot Crate, for those of you that are not familiar with the service, um, is a, it's similar almost to Netflix in, in a subscription model. But what you do is you subscribe, and every month you get a different crate with a different theme. So this crate that they gave me, they gave it to me at Toy Fair, and I wanted to get into it because I'm actually going to be giving away some stuff. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to crack this open and... There's a couple of different things in here. This month's crate, the theme uh, was from, I guess, from Toy Fair, and I hadn't gone through it. I was going to do an unboxing, but I figured rather than do the unboxing, I'm going to give some stuff away. So tonight, on tonight's show, I'm going to give away a Superman Domo. Oh, got a little glare. Superman Domo from Pop Vinyl. I'm actually going to give this away to somebody in the chat tonight. So whoever it is, that's participating. I will choose you at random and you will get a pop vinyl domo from the loot crate that we got at Toy Fair. So be on the lookout for that because sometime this evening I will be giving this domo a brand new home. So there you go. So as I said, just one of the many things that we'll be able to do uh, throughout the next couple of weeks, like I said, None of it is mandatory. You can check it out. Like I said, it's uh, patreon.com forward slash my take radio and you can support the show any way you see fit. And it's all going to go to, like I said, making the brand and the show better for you guys. Otherwise, you know, we're, we're going to keep growing as we have uh, next month. We got a lot of stuff on deck. We're going to be doing consumer electronics week uh, this month. Hopefully, if everything goes according to plan, Jay will be able to cover the Valkyrie event on the 24th. House of Glory has an event uh, next Friday, the 16th. Ring of Honor has an event the 17th. So we got a lot going on these next couple of weeks, and we're going to try and give you as much coverage as possible. So definitely, of course, stay tuned to MyTakeRadio.com, as well as our YouTube channel, which is YouTube.com forward slash MyTakeRadioTV. Not MyTakeRadio. That's going to be MyTakeRadioTV, and you'll be able to watch all the videos and all the stuff we put up there, plus all the videos for the week shows we are putting them on My Take Radio TV. So, again, you'll be able to find the show on the site, on YouTube, all the usual outlets. And, of course, I will give that information away again at the close of tonight's show. So, besides that, the other updates I wanted to give you guys. Um, brand new site. We, we still, we're still in the testing phases. We actually ran into some hiccups today uh, that the web developer emailed me about. So, I, I guess I'm going to have to get with her sometime this weekend to get that squared away. And you guys, uh, like I said, it's going to delay probably the relaunch of the site a week or so. But you know what? I want to get all the bugs worked out. And once that's done, of course, we will make sure to let you guys know. A couple of you guys were asking if we were still doing the My Take Radio t-shirts. You can pick an, an MTR t-shirt by clicking on the My Take Radio store tab on the site. And you'll be able to pick up a My Take Radio t-shirt there. So you got a couple of different outlets, of course, if you want to support the show. Like I said, Patreon is a great way to do it. Um, 
like I will reward you. You'll either get an on air thank you or you will be thanked in in post show credits that everybody will be able to see at the end of an episode. So just something that, again, we want to give to you guys and show our appreciation. So that's going to wrap up the news for this week. I did want to get into um, one thing. I went to see Amazing Spider-Man 2 this past weekend. I owe you guys a review, but make sure to check out Slick's review, which is already up on the site. Uh, My review hopefully will be up this weekend. I've been a little bit behind uh, just because of some stuff we got going on, but you guys will have a review by the weekend, so be on the lookout for that as well. The other thing I did want to talk about, and this is kind of the monologue for this week, uh, usually right after... Uh, you know, I wrapped up what I called wedding season this this month. I uh, went to two weddings back to back, one week apart. And uh, once that was over, we went into what I call in my family birthday season. Now, birthday season in my family is funny because we are all the birthdays in my house are in order all the way through September. So they start this month, go through, you know, all the way through to September. So this month. Of course, uh, my brother's birthday was Tuesday, so uh, happy birthday to my brother Joe. Uh, My grandmother's birthday is Saturday, then Sunday, of course, is Mother's Day. So, you know, for those of you that got your moms, you guys know the deal. Uh, Try and get into whatever restaurants you want to take her to eat early Thursday. Don't buy her nothing shitty because she kind of brought you into this world. That's all I'm going to say about that. But the funny thing about birthday season for me is that it gives me an opportunity to kind of look around for stuff that I want for myself. Now, the funny thing is that in doing that, I was talking with Slick and we came up with an idea for a brand new column that we're going to be, we're going to be launching very soon called shut up and take my money. Now, shut up and take my money is going to be about uh, stuff that we see. And this goes for any of our MTR staff, not just myself that we may want to buy and we may want to let you guys know about it. It's going to be, anything and everything. It could be some awesome t-shirts from our friends at ripped apparel. It could be some stuff from our MTR Amazon store. It could be some stuff that we see from our friends at big bad toy store, whatever the case is just really, really awesome stuff. So be on the lookout for the launch for that column in the coming, you know, within the coming days, I'll probably have, I have one already in mind, which I got to write up and I'm sure you're going to see stuff from slick, uh, quark blade, uh, Ben and the rest of the MTR staff, during the remaining, you know, the, the the next couple of weeks. But with that said, and with the amount of people that we have working on this stuff, the funny thing is that we were in a period of, of quiet just because a lot of our team are college students and they're going to school. So, uh, you know, you've been seeing a lot of stuff from myself and Slick and Jay because, you know, we, we don't have to deal with the whole college grind and we're, we're dealing with, uh, you know, other stuff, but we're getting content out. But as you can see, Quark put up uh, Buried this week, uh, also put up a, a very cool article about uh, the brand new Pokemon games, which I advise you guys to check out. But as always, we are always looking for talent to add to my take radio. So if you're interested in writing for us, um, like I said, it's a, and I've said this before, it's a non-paid gig, but we get a lot of cool stuff. Uh, feel free to reach out, mtrhost at mytakeradio.com. If you have work out there, send me a writing sample and we'll be uh, very glad to have you on board. Of course, a little probationary period, probably three months. But we're, we're, we're a very easygoing bunch. I have very minimal requirements. And, of course, you get to share your content with your own voice. Nothing 
uh, formulated, nothing generic. It's all going to be straight from the horse's mouth, so to speak. So, again, if you're interested in that, drop me a line, mtrhost at mytakeradio.com. All right, so this week was very weird because we have a Bellator event coming up Saturday, and um, we have a UFC event, uh, UFC on Fox on the 24th. But other than that, we actually had a pretty quiet Sunday. We're going to talk about Extreme Rules in tonight's wrestling segment. We got a lot of uh, gaming news, including some stuff going on with Nintendo, which of course makes everybody nervous whenever I talk about Nintendo. So we're going to get into that. In addition, we got a, a lot of movie news. We got a lot of trailers to talk about. And, um, you know, that's that's part of the one of the many things we will be discussing uh, tonight. So without any further ado, let's get into some MMA. We got some decent MMA news this week that I want to discuss. So let's get that ball rolling, shall we? This week's episode of My Take Radio's MMA is brought to you by MMA Warehouse. Of course, make sure to check out their banners on MyTakeRadio.com if you want the latest and greatest MMA t-shirts, training gear, rash guards, gloves, you name it, they got it. Make sure to visit our friends at MMAWarehouse.com. All right, so first things first, last week, last Friday night, we had a Bellator event where we crowned a brand new interim bantamweight champion, of course, the uh, bantamweight champion for the organization got injured, but uh, Joe Warren and Rafael Silva squared off, and it was for the interim belt. Rafael Silva, even if he would have won, he kind of got screwed because he did not make weight. So Joe Warren is your interim bantamweight champion due to injury. But, of course, Joe Warren's definitely, he's not a, a lackluster guy, so I know we're going to get uh, some good matches with him for the foreseeable future. But, that card as a whole Friday night had some really good fights. Um, I really liked the Marcus Galvao, Thomas Vasquez fight. I also liked the, uh, the Leah, the Liam McGeary, uh, Mike Musatelli fight, beautiful summer, not uh, beautiful summer series, light heavyweight tournament, opening round match that ended with a, with a textbook knockout in the first round. Uh, definitely a solid, solid start. Uh, also, of course, like I said, the, we got a Bellator event this weekend. Now, no, actually, no, correction, sorry. Uh, Bellator's event is next weekend, and that's going to be Rampage and King Mo, which is going to be tremendous. And, of course, tomorrow night we do have um, another Bellator Spike TV card. I got my schedules a little mixed up because I don't have them all written on my trusty calendar here on my desk. But uh, the, the big thing on the wrestling side, which I had mentioned, were the TNA New York tickets. So, Jay, if you do want to go and see TNA in New York, those tickets do go on sale tomorrow so going back to the mma side of things uh melvin gallard recently departed from the ufc already has a fight him and jay-z cavalcante will be meeting at world series of fighting 11 that's going down july 5th and you'll be able to watch that on the nbc sports network of course our uh, preliminary fights you'll be able to watch them on mma junkie uh, world series of fighting for those of you not familiar a lot of their fights they give them also on access tv so if you have that channel You'll be able to watch a lot of their cards there as well. I recommend you check your local cable provider to see that. Also, and this is the other thing, uh, Nick Newell, uh, he is the one-armed MMA fighter. Um, it will be defending his lightweight title at the uh, 
at that card. So definitely a card worth seeing. And of course, another big one, John Fitch versus Jake Shields. Of course, two great prospects from the UFC now making their home in World Series of Fighting. Now, the thing about this is you're probably saying to yourself, there's a one-armed mixed martial artist. Yes, there is. And the crazy thing is, he is undefeated. If you want to look up his fights, look up Nick Newell, N-E-W-E-L-L. And you can see some of his fights. This guy, um, talk about a story about overcoming the odds. This guy goes in there, one arm, and and just delivers textbook MMA. The guy is the guy is a problem. He is he is a serious serious problem. Uh, quick communique from Jay. He goes, "Fuck, I won't be able to go. The days they will be in New York City, I'll be at work. Damn you, responsibilities." You know what's funny? The first the first TNA show just to get sidetracked a little bit. Damn you, Jay. Um, is on my birthday. That's on the 25th, but I'll probably try and catch one of the shows on the 27th. So if I do get tickets, I will let you know. Anyway, jumping back into this, um, it's funny that we're talking a little bit about wrestling during the MMA segment because Chael actually name-dropped our very own Paul Heyman during a recent interview with uh, Wrestling Observer Radio. Now, the reasoning that Chael name-dropped Paul Heyman was very, very interesting because as many of you know, Chael is currently coaching against Vanderlei in the Ultimate Fighter Brazil. Now, the problem is that Chael approached Paul, given that Paul is extremely knowledgeable about selling events, about the situation that's currently been going on with the Ultimate Fighter Brazil, and that being that Chael was becoming the babyface during the season. Here's what happened. He said... um. I contacted Paul because I was starting to become a babyface character because of Vanderlei's actions. I've never met Paul, but I know what he's done. He's a little bit older than me, so I can trust him. He, Chael went on to say, I'm breaking confidentiality agreements by saying this, but there were circumstances where I was jammed up and I had to make an executive decision. To say he was ruining the show may be extreme, but the interaction between he and I is an element of the show, and that's important. So, you know, it's funny because... When you want to talk about wrestling psychology and you want to talk about uh, the the parallels between professional wrestling and mixed martial arts, a lot of people are very quick to say, oh, wrestling is wrestling and it's fake and, you know, MMA is MMA. Let's 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 break this down a little deeper. MMA is legitimate combat between two individuals. We know this professional wrestling, of course, is scripted and the outcomes are predetermined, but. The athleticism is there. The, 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 the odds of being injured are there. And above all, if you are a unique and engaging personality, whether it's in a professional wrestling setting or in mixed martial arts, you will thrive more than the next guy. So it's funny that Chael, who we all know is this larger-than-life personality in the world of MMA, would seek out the advice of a man like Paul Heyman. But we know that Paul Heyman, when it comes to marketing and branding and finding the strengths of, of individuals, there's there's no other guy that I'd trust. If anything, all I have to tell you is look at ECW. Look at some of the guys that were the face of that organization. And when I say this, I say this because we look at guys in ECW, and yeah, they're talented guys, they were they were they were solid guys. But when you look at them, you didn't see superstars. You saw talented guys that were that were getting served, 
because they were they were becoming household names because of a bingo hall. Now let's think about this. You look at and here's a great example, Just Incredible. You look at Just Incredible. Just Incredible, for those of you that don't know, used to be Aldo Montoya, the Portuguese man of war in WWF at the time. It went on, he had a, a couple of different personas, and then he went to ECW and he just reinvented himself as Just Incredible. And before you know it, he took off and he became one of the faces of the organization. Now, you know, I had the pleasure of meeting Just Incredible at one of the House of Glory events. Very nice guy, very approachable, very, very happy, you know, to be in this business. But when you look at it and you look at at that guy, he looks like a regular guy that you see every day. He doesn't scream superstar. He doesn't scream, you know, the face of an organization. He is a regular guy. But Paul Heyman saw something in him and 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 cultivated that to create the personality that he became. The same can be said for a guy like Rhino in ECW. The same can be said for Brock Lesnar. Brock Lesnar has such a great relationship with Paul Heyman that Paul Heyman advised Brock when he was in the UFC. And I'll tell you this much, regardless of whether you loved or hated Brock Lesnar in the UFC, Brock Lesnar made people pay attention. Whether it was the way he interacted with the other fighters, the trash talking that was involved, it was a part of the sport that was definitely, you know, it, it got people noticed. It got people talking. And that's one of the things that I think Paul Heyman excels at. So for a guy like Chael, who is already this outspoken, larger-than-life personality, you got to ask yourself, okay, what can Paul Heyman bring to the table? And it's very easy. You have a guy like Vanderlei, very emotional, very outspoken. But then you have a guy like Chael. The animosity that Vanderlei has would make him overshadow Chael in this instance. And that's what was starting to happen. Vanderlei, who's supposed to be have home field advantage because he's Brazilian, and Chael, who said all these disparaging things about Brazil, you would think that Chael would be hated like this. But what's been happening is that the fans are starting to really feel uh, you know, a kinship and a closer relationship with Chael. This goes with his fight to the guys that he's been training. This goes to the fans in Brazil. And, you know, basically he sought out Paul Heyman because he wanted to know what he needed to do to really add something to the show. He said, you know, he said, I'm losing my grip as my character as a heel. I can feel it slipping away. Vanderlei's being aggressive. He's skipping practices. He's partying. I don't know what to do. I don't know how to handle this. Paul was a guy that even without knowing him, I knew I could trust him. We have mutual friends being, you know, Brock Lesnar and CM Punk. I knew he was an expert in psychology. And he said, uh, Paul Heyman said, listen, you have to shoot, be completely real and not hold back verbally. If he's not playing along, you have to drop everything and shoot on him. He laid that out in in a lot more aggressive fashion, but you guys get the idea. So here's, here's, here's what happens. And this was textbook with the with the little scuff with the scuffle with the legitimate fist fight that Vanderlei and Chael got into. If you saw that video, what ended up happening was Chael is sitting there, Chael is sitting there, and Vanderlei is like, "Listen, we're gonna fight. I'm gonna fuck you up. I'm gonna beat your ass." Blah blah blah. And Chael's like, "When are you gonna do it? When?" Like Chael wasn't even trying to really amp up the situation. He's like, "When do you want to fight? You let me know, and we'll make we'll get it done." So next thing you know. 
Vanderlei pretty much, you know, he kind of got in Chael's face, and Chael's like, listen, I can't let you come in my space. So, you know, a push here, a push there. Next thing you know, uh, Chael shot in for a double leg, takes Vanderlei to the ground. They start fighting. Vanderlei got hurt due to that, and their fight was pushed back. So definitely very interesting, uh, you know, set of circumstances. But it amuses me that Paul Heyman was involved in kind of moving this along. I think it was definitely very, very cool. So I figured I would share that with you guys. Those of you that are fans of both MMA and professional wrestling would appreciate the carryover. All right, so let's get into some cards that are starting to get put together. Uh, Jose Aldo is going to be challenging, uh, is going to be defending his belt against Chad Mendes uh, August 2nd at UFC 176. This is Chad Mendes' second time out. Uh, trying to take the belt from the very, very dangerous Jose Aldo. Now, if you've seen Jose Aldo fight, you know that this guy, one of the pound-for-pound pound best fighters that doesn't get the the credit that he deserves. And obviously, it's very easy to look at, you know, guys like John Jones, guys like Chris Weidman, guys like, you know, Cain Velasquez, which are, you know, the faces of the organization. These are guys that get people uh, vested but guys like Jose Aldo, guys like uh, Henan Barrow, these are guys that they really are just more complete fighters. These are guys that they go out there and, and they deliver exciting fights, but people just aren't, aren't connecting with them because, you know, maybe it's the language barrier. Maybe they're just not a fan of the lighter weight classes. I've, I've actually had guys that, that they say to me, they're like, yeah, I never watched the heavyweights fight because I don't like watching heavyweights. And, you know, this goes back to, um, you know, things with boxing where they don't like watching the boxers, the heavyweight boxers fight. So I can understand that sort of a bias, but it's very weird that guys like Jose Aldo and Henan Barrow aren't um, being sought after more by the fans because they really do have exciting fights. So one thing I do have to say, and and this is something that, you know, Mendes and Aldo lost for, last fought UFC 142 in 2012. Uh, Jose won that fight via first round knockout, um, but Chad Mendes went on a tear. He he got five consecutive wins, um, four of which came by knockout, and he's currently ranked the number one featherweight contender in the division. So, you know, Jose Aldo, since beating Chad Mendes, he's beat also a who's who of hitters, including Frankie Edgar, uh, the Korean Zombie, and Ricardo Lamas. So, again, both guys coming in with an incredible amount of of fanfare behind them, you know, either for their performances in the octagon or just from overcoming losses, obviously overcoming losses in Mendy's case. And in Aldo's case, just being a guy that wants to be competitive and defend his belt against the best of the best. So I'm definitely really pumped for that card. Again, UFC 176, Chad Mendy's Jose Aldo two, and that's going down August 2nd. Now, Tomorrow night we have the Bellator 190 event. 119 event. Uh, one of the guys that was supposed to be fighting on that card, Brett Cooper, is out with a back injury, so he is not going to be in the middleweight tournament final against Brandon Halsey. That fight now will be rescheduled. But um, some other fights were moved around. Desmond Green, Daniel Shell is going to be your main event. That's going to be the featherweight tournament final. Chris Hordecki will be taking on the always dangerous Marlon Sandro. Uh, so that's going to be definitely, uh, that's going to be a, a fantastic fight. Also, Vaughn Anderson is going to be taking on Marius Zaramskis, a uh, guy who I always like to watch. Uh, his fights with Joaquin Spirit Wolf are amazing fights. If you look them up, it'll they'll just blow your mind. So those fights are going down tomorrow night, 9 p.m. Eastern, 
on Spike TV. And of course, the prelims, you'll be able to watch them on Spike.com. So be on the lookout for that. In some other injury news, we got to talk about Junior Dos Santos, who is out of his fight against Stipe Miocic, which is was supposed to be going down May 31st. That's the Ultimate Fighter Brazil final, which was going to be airing on Fox Sports 1. So he is actually going to now... Stipe is actually going to be fighting uh, Fabio Maldonado, who is stepping up on very short notice to take JDS's place. Of course, that's not going to detract from you know, the fights being any good because Stipe Miocic is, is, is a solid fighter. Um, this is a guy who, who I actually became familiar with after an appearance on, um, fight insight radio with our friends, Gary Friedman and spill bag of ice. And, um, Stipe always, whenever he was on very, very engaging guy, very nice, very humble, and always very exciting to watch. So it's very, it's very good to see that he got an opponent and that his fight did not get shelved. I would have been bummed if the guy would have had to take a seat and not get the opportunity to fight. Now, last week we were talking about uh, Beth Carrera and how she took out one of the... Um, actually, excuse me, it wasn't last week. It was the week prior. Uh, UFC 172, she took out Jessamine Duke, and she put out a challenge to the remaining members of the quote-unquote four horsewomen of MMA, which, of course, Shayna Baszler, Jessamine Duke, and um, Ronda Rousey, and I forget, oh, and Marina Schaefer. So what ended up happening was uh, this young lady, she beat Jessamine Duke, put out a challenge, said, listen, I want any of the horsewomen and I want a shot at Ronda Rousey. So the UFC, seeing that there is a guaranteed story there, granted her wish. So uh, Beth Carrera will be facing Shayna Baszler, which is going to be Baszler's UFC debut. That's going down at UFC uh, 176, of course, this summer, which of course, I think if she gets past Shayna Baszler, she's going to make a pretty, pretty, a very strong case towards getting a match with Ronda Rousey. So it's been a couple of weeks. Everything's been quiet with regards to Vitor Belfort, TRT, all the usual stuff. Well, this week, not so quiet as it seems. Uh, Vitor has been uh, going around saying that, you know, he's he's tested himself. And he and that his TRT levels are fine and he's ready to go and he wants to take his place back in the title fight against Chris Weidman, et cetera, et cetera. Really, really crazy shit. I got to give a shout out to Tommy Tollhold because he did a really, really great episode of Triple THS uh, about that, about the TRT. So if you get a chance, definitely check that out. But it, but either way, uh, this guy, Vitor, said, oh, yeah, you know, I tested myself, bro. I'm good. I'm ready to go. And Dana White's like, dude, you got it. You have to get tested by the Nevada State Athletic Commission and they have to approve you. But in a very, very interesting twist, it looks like Vitor's uh, TRT levels and testing have been accepted in Brazil. So even though he can't compete in Nevada, I find it very interesting that he can fight in Brazil. According to the Brazilian MMA Athletic Commission, uh, the medical director, Dr. Marcio Tanur, said the following. Uh, He can fight here no problem, but he can't use TRT. Since he doesn't have a license to use TRT anymore, he would be tested like any other fighter. As far as his license is concerned, he'll be able to fight with no problem. He'll be tested like any other fighter. If he fails a test, he'll be suspended like any other fighter. So take this into consideration. One of the things that we've always talked about and we've always found a little suspect was that Vitor always fought 
in Brazil. Obviously, the big one is that he can't be licensed in Nevada. But there's, you know, 49 other states. Well, 48 because New York doesn't have pro MMA. But there's 48 other states where you can go and fight. So I find it weird that you never can you never see Vitor fight in the U.S. Now, if he's cleared to fight in Brazil, I almost I I can almost say with 90 percent certainty that the UFC is going to let him challenge Weidman in Brazil. Because they don't have to deal with the bullshit. All right, he's he's licensed. He can get licensed here, and that's that. And to me, that always comes out a little funky and a little rotten. And the reason I say that is because the guy needs to get sanctioned here. What are you going to do, make every card in Brazil the Vitor show because the guy's licensed to fight over there? We can't do that. There's a lot of emerging markets here in the States. There's a lot of places where you can get asses in seats to watch Vitor fight whoever. I'll tell you right now, if UFC, if, if if the UFC was able to put on events here in New York City and they did a fight at Madison Square Garden with Chris Weidman, people would go there like this at the drop of a hat because they want to see it and they know, they know Vitor is an exciting fighter. I just find it odd that he said he... You know, he tested himself for TRT. His his levels were fine. And then all of a sudden, he is sanctioned to fight in Brazil. Very, very, very funky stuff. So, it wouldn't be an MMA segment with a little bit of discussion about women's MMA. Of course, there are three names that are out there that are on everybody's wish list to see in the UFC. Number one, of course, Gina Carano, because you know for a fact a fight between Gina Carano and Ronda Rousey will get people like this. But there's also Holly Holm, and there's also, of course, Chris Cyborg. So Dana White's been talking a lot of shit, which we know. He's been talking a lot of shit about all three, well, two of the two out of these three women. Holly Holm because of her management, Cyborg because of countless reasons. And of course, Gina Carano, they're saying that Gina Carano's pretty much a lock to come back. It's just a matter of signing on the dotted line. But the funny thing is he did an interview and they asked him about it. And he said, with regards to Holly Holm and Gina Carano, it's all a matter of getting a deal done. So it's crazy because he was outspoken the last couple of weeks. Oh, Holly Holm, her management, fuck this, blah, blah, blah. They're bullshit this week. Oh, it's just a matter of getting, getting somebody to sign on the dotted line. Very, very interesting. Now, with Cyborg, it's a little different because he said, we know all the issues we've had with Cyborg from the steroid stuff to the managers, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But I won't ever say never. I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to say never anymore. So it may happen. That's all I'm saying. So Cyborg, I'd say 50-50 chance. Gina Carano, I'd probably say 85% certainty she'll be fighting in the UFC, you know, on a UFC card before 2014 is over. And hell, I'd go as far as saying that I'd I'd stake that same percentage on Holly Holm fighting in the UFC as well. She's undefeated, she's recognized, and that's a a money fight right there. That's all I'm saying. Jay says, I tested my TRT levels. They are fine. Can I fight in Brazil? Dude, that is exactly the logic that that Vitor is using. But the funny thing is that he can get licensed in Brazil. I mean, maybe they tested his his TRT over there and it's all good, but it, it just always smells funky when it comes to Vitor always fighting in Brazil. But again, we'll see what happens. Maybe the UFC will force 
uh, Vitor to fight here in the States and get sanctioned. We'll see what happens. Isaiah says, Carano is a good fighter, but I don't think she can beat Ronda Rousey. Gina hasn't been in the cage in a couple of years. Um, definitely, she's got to overcome some ring rust. And I personally would not put her in that fight as the first fight. Because if she loses, you automatically lose a cash cow. Somebody that'll put asses in seats. What you do is, you take a Gina Carano, you put her in there with a Misha Tate. Or maybe you put her in there with Kat Zingano. Or maybe you put her in there, you know, you put her in there with, with some top tier women's talent as the first fight. And then if she wins, give her the title fight. That's it. But here's a couple of things. Number one, she's got to make weight. I talked about this before. Gina Carano making weight is very difficult. It's always a spectacle. It's either because she's got to get naked on the scale or she's a, a pound or two over and she's got to go cut more weight. But it's always a question that she can barely make one. She can barely make that. Barely make it. Every time. It's always, I got to get on the scale butt-ass naked. Which, I'm sure nobody's complaining. But it's something you have to... Excuse me. It's something you have to take into consideration. Isaiah says, work her ass up the ladder. It's true. I mean, you know, legitimately you want to give her maybe two fights and a title shot. Or maybe one fight in a title shot, but you can't put her in the you can't put her in the line of fire because if she loses and and then you know all that mystique, all that hype is out the window. That's all I'm saying. So I got to talk about some other cards that are coming together. First up, very happy to report that heavyweight Stefan Struve, the skyscraper, will be making his way back into the UFC to take on uh, Matt Mitrione. So definitely pumped to see that. Uh, Stefan Struve, he had a, a serious heart problem and, you know, he's got that fixed. He's ready to rock and roll and he is coming back to the cage to take on Matt Mitrione. And of course, the resurgent Anthony Rumble Johnson will be taking on Little Nog, Antonio Rogerio Noguera. And that's going to be on UFC on Fox 12, July 26. So Anthony Johnson not resting. Definitely. um, <laughs> He's definitely not resting on it. In any way, shape, or form, he's ready to jump back in the cage. And I think a fight with Little Nog is going to be exciting. And somebody's going to sleep in that fight. That's all I'm saying. Of course, with that said, you know, the UFC, they've got some really, really great fights lined up. As I said, Bellator is making the jump to pay-per-view next week. There you go. I corrected myself. Bellator has their spike event tomorrow. Their pay-per-view event is on the 17th. Um, Eddie Alvarez is going to be defending his his lightweight title against Michael Chandler. And like I said, Rampage and King Mo is your co-main. Uh, very interesting because if Eddie Alvarez loses that fight, I have a feeling that he'll probably be get, he'll probably get cut by Bellator, and Eddie Alvarez will make the jump to the UFC. But if Eddie Alvarez retains against Michael Chandler, he's going to really have a huge bargaining chip to renegotiate his deal with Bellator. I like Eddie Alvarez, very exciting fighter. So it's going to be interesting to see what happens with his career after this fight with Michael Chandler. Like I said, the Bellator 120 pay-per-view is May 17th. Um, I believe it's $44. So, um, you know, definitely look into that. Uh, I'm hearing that uh, video feed is not working. Can't hear anything. A uh, couple of things you can do, uh, you can either refresh uh, either the Mixler feed or the or the MTR feed. Uh, sometimes that happens, but 
as far as I know, my audio is running on all cylinders here. So I recommend you guys hit refresh. I see that Isaiah is saying his video feed isn't working and um, Dark Helmet is saying the same thing. So please uh, uh, refresh or stop the feed and replay. Jay Santi says, I think Slick and I should do a monthly show. We should call it Jay and the Angry Call Screener called Slick. <laughs> you know what's funny? And um, you guys are going to laugh. And I, I'll say this. If you guys can get a schedule together, and I'm talking to you, Jay, we can, we can probably crank out some other shows. So don't think that I haven't thought of this. Don't think that it hasn't, it hasn't, it hasn't been considered, but th there are ideas in play. Like I said, I just want to get our, uh, <laughs> shit. here you go. Um, as I said, it's something that we definitely want to entertain in the future. Don't think it hasn't been brainstormed. That's all I'm saying. Stay tuned. Anyway, as I said, Eddie Alvarez, if he retains his belt, he can pretty much punch his own ticket with Bellator, but there, there's a part of me, as much as I like Eddie Alvarez and Bellator, I'd love to see him mix it up in the UFC. I think there's a lot of amazing fights he can have at 155, and he is not, he's definitely not a slacker. This is a guy that goes in there and delivers exciting fights, and he's a guy that, frankly, if he dropped the belt in Bellator or not, even if he left the organization and vacated the belt, I'd say he deserves an immediate title shot, especially if it's a situation where he... um you know, he retains the belt and maybe he leaves the organization and they vacate the belt, whatever it is. I think Eddie Alvarez is a guy that deserves a shot right away. All right. So ironically enough, that is actually it for MMA this week. Pretty, pretty light. Like I said, no fight cards. I haven't been watching the se this season of the ultimate fighter. So, uh, you know, I, I don't want to recap it. If I haven't been watching it, I think that's cheating. Um, I will be watching the uh, the next season uh, with the ladies and with um, Gilbert Melendez and Showtime Pettis because I think that season is going to be bananas. And not only that, but the ladies are going out of their way to promote the shit out of it. So um, there'll definitely be recaps for that. But I just haven't been watching this season because I think that, um, you know, I, I, I definitely think that Frankie Edgar and BJ Penn for as as great fighters as they both are. There's just there's just no chemistry there. No chemistry to make that happen. So there you have it. Anyway, that's going to wrap up this week's MMA segment. We got a lot of wrestling to discuss. I definitely want to discuss Monday Night Raw and Extreme Rules for sure. And I'm sure Slick is going to... I got to give Slick a little shit about the Divas title match. So let's get right to it. And of course, Booker T, take it away. We want the gold, sucker. Hulk Hogan, we coming for you, nigga. All right, so let's let's get the ball rolling with Extreme Rules. Now, Extreme Rules, here's the funny thing. Extreme Rules has always been a hit-or-miss card. Sometimes incredibly amazing, other times just fucking lackluster as all hell. Now, in this instance, Extreme Rules kind of fluctuated. It had its high points and its low points. And the reason I say this is because let's talk about the WLC match with El Torito and Hornswoggle. Now, 
while I understand that you wanted to do this and you wanted to have a little fun, and it really wasn't a bad match. It wasn't a bad match. I just felt that you're, you know, it was shades of the Attitude Era, and it was a you you put this match on the pre-show and you took time away from you know some superstars that really should have been on that card. But you know, it, it wasn't a. T- the funny thing was, even though it was a comedy match. It wasn't bad. Like, it's very easy for me to say, you know, it's really shitty that they took away from other wrestlers. I, I, I'm I, going to say that, of course. But the match wasn't bad, which is the craziest thing. Like, they had some pretty cool spots. Uh, you know, obviously involvement from uh, the Matadors and 3MB. But overall, the match wasn't complete shit. Like I said, it was a comedy match. You knew what you were getting. From the start, it, it was all right. It was okay. I, it could have been worse. It could have been worse. Jay says, it was entertaining. My daughter loved it. And you know what it is? Even though we, we talk about wrestling and we break it down and we critique it, it's the kids. It's always about the kids first and foremost. And, you know, the kids definitely enjoyed that. And Jay, Jay can attest to it by saying, you know, he says that it was entertaining. My daughter loved it. So... Our next match, the triple threat match between Rob Van Dam, Antonio Cesaro, and Jack Swagger was was pretty solid. I do feel that it was a huge contrast of styles, and you were really trying to work to make it mesh with Rob Van Dam. Now, firstly, uh, first off, you're not going to have an extreme event without Rob Van Dam, period. Because when you go back to Extreme Rules and ECW One Night Stand, that's one of the guys whose name comes up first. Simple as that. So having him on there was pretty much academic. Now, the problem with Rob Van Dam is he's gotten a little older. His ring work, it fluctuates. Sometimes it's really tight. Sometimes it's not. But when you're dealing with a guy like Rob Van Dam, who's who has a very erratic offense, and then you have a mat technician like Swagger and a complete superstar like Cesaro, there is going to be some disconnect. But we did get a lot of vintage Rob Van Dam. Got to see a split-legged moonsault. Got to see a Van Daminator. Uh, you know, we got to see a lot of great signature RVD spots, which, given the audience and, and their love of all things ECW, was very, very, was very fitting. But it was also a great coming out match for Cesaro because it showed that he can work with any style and do it effectively. Plus, that gotch neutralizer spot onto the trash can was disgusting. Slick says, when you frog splash your face onto the jagged edge of a trash can, it is not your best night. But, you know, I understand where Slick is coming from, but you know what it is, dude? You're, you're going to get hurt in that match. You're going to get hurt. If you come out of an extreme pay-per-view with no injuries whatsoever, it's a fucking miracle. And like I said, you know, RVD's, RVD's gotten a little, you know, he's gotten a little crazy. He's he, Not to say that he's not crisp because he's never been crisp in the ring, but, you know, it's, it's crazy. And it's true. He could have taken his eye out. There's no, you have no disagreement from me, but. You know, this is this is that cut that he got would look nastier on Monday night. It was it was ridiculous. Like I saw I was like, oof, because, you know, you look at it, you see it's Sunday and you're like, oh, shit. But then when you see it after it's cleaned up and you see how close it was, because it was 
it was right around here that he got and I was just like, oh, it, it was it was definitely a, a crazy spot. But like I said, it's an extreme rules event. Rob Van Dam is 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 a is a certainty. And it was it was a decent match. You know, so it served its purpose in getting Cesaro over now. Let's talk about this two-on-one handicap match between uh, Xavier Woods, R-Truth, and Alexander Rusev. Now, the big running gag which has been utilized on Twitter and in countless other places is the fact that Alexander Rusev is bleeding, is beating up African-Americans. And, you know, it does look a little, it does look a little funky. R-Truth, Xavier Woods, Kofi Kingston, you know, what's, who's it going to be, Titus O'Neil next week? Like, Let's let's hope that's not the case. You know, it's it's definitely it's definitely very, very interesting that they're doing that. And it raises a couple of questions, but I'm just going to I'm just going to chalk it up to circumstance. I'm going to chalk it up to circumstance. I will say this. I am upset that Xavier Woods is just getting shit on every chance they get. And the reason I say this is Jay says Zack Ryder is black because he tans. Yeah, I forgot that that Ryder got jobbed out to Woods too. I mean to uh to Rusev as well. But I will say this. Xavier Woods, we've seen his work in TNA. Jay, I know you've seen his work in TNA as Consequences Creed, and I'm not e- and I'm not even saying it because he's a friend of the show, but the kid the kid can, you know, he can connect with the fans. He's entertaining, he's got a solid move set, and he's just stuck. Like, I felt you could have left, you should have just left him in NXT. If you're going to call him up to Raw and have him catch an ass whooping on the regular, at least leave him in, in, in NXT where he can work with people that are on the come up just like him, and then he can make the transition a lot easier. I kind of felt it was a trial by fire. And you know what's funny? Uh, Xavier Woods is on television and on pay-per-view, and Brodus Clay is in NXT. You know? That, that, how how crazy is that? How crazy is it that, you know, Brodus Clay, in, in essence, got demoted and Xavier Woods is on TV practically every week. Talk about talk about a, a crazy, a crazy switch because everybody was really high on Brodus. Then I don't know what happened. You know, they, they stopped giving a shit about him. And then he went, he challenged, he challenged um the man that gravity forgot in NXT and, uh, you know, that was it. I'm like, holy shit, what the hell is Brodus doing in NXT? But I just I just didn't like the fact that you take such a promising talent and you job him out to Rusev. Again, not to say that Rusev is a shitty wrestler or that he doesn't need to be in any sort of a job or squash match, but you could have sent anybody out there. You could have sent anybody else out there for that match. I would have sent out R-Truth and JTG versus sacrificing Xavier Woods. On the contrary, I would have put R-Truth with JTG. Stereotypical as it is because you're saying, oh, you want to put the hood the hood black guys together. No, I want those guys to get some TV time. And if they got to do the shucking and jiving gimmick to get on fucking television, at least let them do that. It's no different. It's no different than what R-Truth is doing. No different. So... Before anybody says it, and we talk about this all the time about the racial overcoats, put our truth together with JTG, give Xavier, as a matter of fact, I got an idea. Xavier Woods is about to get his doctorate. Why can't you put Xavier Woods in a tag team with Damian Sandow? You know, you could call them the geniuses or the scholars or something. 
but at least you have two talented guys working together. You know? Exactly. That You know what's funny, Slick? That's a 100% right. Professor X is right. But I just, I'm just bothered by that fact that you got a guy with so much talent like Woods and he's just he's just he's just doing the job. And again, this isn't about insider terms or any other bullshit or 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 it's the it's fact. Xavier Woods is going to be a guy who you can build around. He's good on the mic, he has a good move set, he's charismatic. You know, he's young enough that he can connect with the demographic that you need to connect with. And you're not doing anything with him? It's ridiculous. It is completely ridiculous. That's all I'm saying. Rusev, I'm not even going to say anything about Rusev's match because Rusev doesn't look sloppy in the ring. On the contrary, he always works very crisp. Even with the with the quote-unquote strong style that he's using, he's going in there doing what he's got to do. You know? Jay says, where is Woods getting a doctorate from? University of... <laughs> Fucking Jay. Jay, can't you let the guy, can't you get the guy, let him shine? Can't get, let him shine a little bit. Damn, dude. Just, is he getting his doctor from the University of Phoenix? I know a couple guys that got their degrees from University of Phoenix and they're, they're solid dudes, man. Come on. <laughs> it could be worse. It could be worse. Slick says he does it better than Ryback. That is a thousand percent true. I think Rusev is a better monster than Ryback is, but that's just because Ryback is, you know, you know, Ryback is Ryback. Ryback is in a category all his own. He really is. He's in a completely different category all his own. But again, Rusev has all the skills and all the tools, but you can only job him out so far. You know what? That collision course slick, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be shocked if it happened sooner rather than later with Ryback and, and Rusev. It, it, it would be like when the Great Khali and the Big Show get in the ring together and everybody gets all hype because there's two giant motherfuckers. You put Ryback and Rusev in the ring at the same time, you know, people people will forget. People may actually forget for five minutes that Lana is actually there and maybe give a shit about either one of those guys in the ring. They might. I'm, I'm, I'm saying specu- it's speculation. But they may take their attention away from Lana for a few minutes and maybe watch a match. <laughs> that's that's all I'm saying. So I gotta say, I gotta say that uh, yeah, this happened. Well, I'm afraid I've got some bad news. And the bad news is that Big E Langston is no longer your Intercontinental Champion. And the belt now goes around the waist of the deliverer of bad news himself, Bad News Barrett, in a very, very solid, solid match. Now, here's the funny thing. The funny thing about these guys is that I saw a couple of people on the web complaining that these guys got, quote-unquote, exposed in this match. You know? these and, and I have to disagree. I felt that the match, it went about 10 minutes, and what I really saw was the future. I saw the future of this business unfolding before my eyes. Now, you're probably saying to yourself, Rich, what the fuck are you talking about? Well, allow me allow me to enlighten you. First up, Big E Langston will be your first African-American WWE champion. Guaranteed. He will be your first African-American WWE champion. 
Write it, write it on your calendars. Rich said that May 8th. Telling you, the future. This is a rivalry much like Triple H and The Rock when they first started. You see it. You see the chemistry. You see that these guys take some risks with each other. You see the way it works. It works well. We are looking at the future of this company growing right in front of us. So for anybody to say that these guys were exposed, go out there and and do something physical while entertaining for eight minutes and get back to me. Like, you know, it's funny because Jay referenced that in his in his um, face heel column this week. And it's something I, I got to kind of, you know, I got to kind of elaborate on because it's true. Listen, am I saying that these guys are five star workers? No. But you know what? Are you were you a five star worker when you started at whatever job you have, whether it's, uh, you know, uh, cleaning glory holes or, or, or flipping burgers, whatever you did. No. So you got to give credit where credit is due. These guys, they had good chemistry. They told a great story and the match delivered. Yeah. Yeah. I went there. I went there slick. I did. Cause, th- cause this is what happens. People sit here. They sit on a couch. Some of them have never done a physical thing in their life. And they're like, Hey man, these guys got exposed. They got exposed in this match. Really? Really random Twitter user. They got exposed in this match. They went 10 minutes. 10 minutes in a match that told a great story. You know? And not not for nothing, the loss didn't hurt Big E because he lost to a guy that was a former IC champion. That's all I'm saying. Don't don't save 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 your armchair analysis for those instances where you feel comfortable delivering it. Otherwise, just enjoy wrestling. And that's what I did. I enjoyed the story they were telling. I really liked the way it went. And of course, you know, the bad news bull hammer secured the victory. Could the match have been a little shorter? Maybe. Maybe two, three minutes, but come on. Seriously? These guys were exposed. Let me let, let me let me tell you guys something. If anybody gets exposed in a match, it's 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 your favorite, Roman Reigns. I like Roman Reigns. I think the guy is extremely promising. I think the guy has a tremendous future. But when Roman Reigns is in the ring longer than six minutes, he his offense breaks down to the typical strong style offense, which is punch, kick, punch, kick, punch, kick, Superman punch, Samoan drop, spear. Very academic, very five moves of doom, and that's what it is. So before you complain about work rate, for guys like Big E or Bad News Barrett, look at Roman Reigns. Look at him. He 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 he's not he's not where he needs to be yet. So before you talk about work rate and you start using those terms, appreciate the fact that Big E and Bad News Barrett continue to work well at perfecting their craft. So when they get to the upper card, when they become champions, they will be complete athletes. That's all I'm saying. Like these dudes, oh, you know, uh, you know, Big E was slow. He looked winded. I'm like, really? Jay, Jay, you are right. Jay says you wanted to talk about limited C Batista. There you go. Batista has Batista's the embodiment of, you know, the big man, the, you know, the strong style. Punch, kick, punch, kick. Ryback is the same way, but at least with Ryback, he tries to make up for it with some personality, talking trash during the matches. 
it's very, very different. But again, I was just I was just really troubled by what people were saying on Twitter about this match because it was very, very enjoyable. Now, you went from a very solid match to a fucking madhouse of a match with the Shield and Evolution. Holy shit. Every aspect of that match was insane. Every part from Ambrose dropping in with the figure four to all the spots to the breakdown of competition between each guy to the fact that Seth Rollins dived off the fucking balcony to take out Triple H and Randy Orton in in an amazing spot. That was the extreme rules spot of the night right there. Seth Rollins, once again, the fucking truth, the truth in that match. The Shield really, really validated why they are the premier team in the WWE. They are the stable. They are the wolves of the future. You know, yeah, they're the hounds of justice now. They are the wolves of the future. These are guys that when you separate them a year or two from now can carry your company, whether as heels or as faces. But again, very safe match. Very safe match. Jay, uh, you know, Slick said it. Uh, the Shield hurt themselves more than Evolution did. Absolutely. Very, very safe match for Evolution. Um, but it worked. They gelled very well together because you had the upstart rookies trying to take the spot from the established superstars. It was great storytelling, amazing spots. And you know what? Roman Reigns getting the, the victory on Batista was bittersweet. It worked. And, you know, Rollins Rollins is a guy that he he validated himself with that performance. It was tremendous. Uh, Ambrose continues to just tell amazing stories with his mannerisms and his ring work. He doesn't even have to go in there for too long to tell a great story. Like I said, Ambrose, Rollins, and Reigns, when you finally separate them, are going to be a force in the future. I kid you not. They are. Slick says, Ambrose can feud with a lot of people, big and small. Jay says, Seth Rollins is like Daniel Bryan. We've only seen a small taste of their moveset. It's true. These guys, especially if you've never seen Seth Rollins work, do yourselves a favor and look up Tyler Black in, um, you know, in Ring of Honor. And I guarantee you, you are going to see some crazy stuff. I'm trying to see because there was a compilation that somebody did for a while that they did a while back, which was like the top 10 moves for Tyler Black, a.k.a. Seth Rollins. And I'll tell you, he um, it, it was it was ridiculous. I got I got one here, which. Uh, you know what? I think I think this this can probably show you guys what Seth Rollins can offer when he's when they. Oh, that's not it. That's uh, generico. I hate the fact that YouTube auto plays the videos. If you guys know of a of a Chrome plugin that stops uh, autoplay on YouTube, let me know because I used to have one and they made it a paid plugin. Anyway, I think I'm gonna. Oh, there we go. Check this out, guys. Kind of idiotic, huh? So famous for, and now Tyler Black. Northern Lights, Northern Lights, one. Ambrose set up perfectly. Rollins gonna get it this time. Springboard 
Chest first into the top turnbuckle. Turns around. Anticipated. Mahal in the temple. So resourceful. So resilient. Oh, what a knee. What a knee. And Rollins now. Momentum. Both these men are, are quite tall. And both men quite agile. Oh, my God. Look at that slingshot Stone Cold Stunner. Disgusting. Why don't you go up there and ask the shield? Not after what I saw these guys do. Yeah, Tyler now, Falcon Arrow. Two. Rollins has Ambrose in position. There he goes, Dean Ambrose for the ride. Boom. Nobody humped. Jimmy Jacobs swept out the leg. Tyler Black, he's got him in the corner. Power bombs him on his brother. I'd love to see him do this. Oh, he's dead. Attempt and now Tyler Black. What is he gonna go for? Oh, wow! DDT. Tyler Black close behind. Got him up, drops him down the back of Brock. That guy's dead. Now Tyler getting his positioning up top, the power, and brings him up. Refresh. Super Lex. Wow. 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 He's got him. Oh, up. he's got to do that. Nice. Down into a face buster. One. He did that during the week. He did that Monday. Chanting Raymond, or don't think so. Tyler able to avoid that standing shooting star in the in the butt. <laughs> Tyler Black over the top, clears the top one score for that. Jane better move, he's got him sized up. There's no personal relationship here. Good night. Oh, Kevin Steen is dead. Richards doesn't realize he's there. There's a boot. 
Oh, they gotta let him do that. That'd be a problem. We have headbutted Alex Shelley's elbow. Which is what might have happened right up there. Wait a second here. Tyler Black now. Got him way up Good night. Oh, this is ridiculous. I've seen this. Oh, there you go. That's Sami Zayn in the mask. Oh! Let's kick to the side of the head. This is it. One. One of my favorites, a curb stop. Look how high he went on Jinder Mahal, too. Slice bread number two. Good night. That was nasty, too. And Roderick Strong can't even make it to his feet. Buster drops him down. That's it. Done deal. You got the leg. One, two, and three. Good night, Sami Zayn. Hoisted high and drops him down. Feet push Tony Roma. Ah, Phoenix Splash, one of my favorites. Phoenix Splash. One, two. God's last gift. Miss right in the eyes of his own partner. Small package driver. What's he got in mind here? Oh, Slick is telling me that the video feed took a dump. Good night, Dean Ambrose. Dead. So yeah, as I was saying. Awesome stuff from uh, very own Seth Rollins. Uh, tremendous, tremendous stuff. Slick is telling me that this video feed took a dump. Hmm. Let's uh, let's go to the videotape. Uh, I don't got it frozen here. <laughs> Channel just went offline. Uh, all right. Thanks, guys. Thank you, Slick. For those of you that want to see that video in its entirety... Uh, listen, Tyler Black, Seth Rollins, barely scratching the surface. Barely. Thank you for that heads up, Slick. I checked on my end. We're good. My CPU is not even clocked in at, at, at 10%. So I, I definitely love this, uh, this new machine. But yeah, you see that. You see Seth Rollins barely scratching the surface. You see that finisher. Disgusting. You know? Jay, you are 100% right. Half of those moves would be finishers in WWE and other promotion. Those are chain moves. Look at that F5 he did where it was off the top rope, catches the guy, 
then goes right into the F5. On top of that, that finisher, God's Last Gift, they actually let him use that in NXT. So that's a finisher I'd like to see him use in WWE. And if you pay close attention, you saw that he was using those some of those moves on who else but Dean Ambrose. Just saying, something something that, you know, you see that the chemistry is already there. So just take notes. Anyway, the final match of the evening, John Cena, Bray Wyatt, Steel Cage. Now, here's the thing. A lot of people were saying that that was the weakest match of the night or one of the weaker matches of the night. I have to disagree. Now, the reason I disagree with this match is because we're not talking about Bray Wyatt is a, is a solid, solid wrestler. This match wasn't about wrestling. This match was about storytelling. This was about telling a, a, a great story. And that's what Bray Wyatt does. Yeah, you're really, you're really, you know, you're, you're expecting this, oh, you know, I, I'm expecting a clinic. You're not going to get these matte classics from a guy like Bray Wyatt. What Bray Wyatt's going to do is he's going to take a lot of punishment and, and he's going to tell an engaging story. And that's what this match was. Every facet of this match was part of a bigger narrative, a bigger story. So for those of you that really felt that this match didn't live up to all the hype and all the expectations, you have to understand, Bray Wyatt, he's not a super jack guy. He's not a his 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 character, his persona is a guy who uses mind games. And he's going to try and win by any means necessary. Of course, Harper, Harper and Rowan are going to get involved. Of course, you know, it's going to be shenanigans throughout that entire match. But in my opinion, it was about the story. The bigger part of this entire affair was the story, the buildup, the use of the children, the use of all the things that make Cena great. Bray Wyatt has found a way to weaponize them to use them to mess with John Cena psychologically. And that, that is where you have to pay close attention to the story, you know? And, and that's, what's crazy. You read a lot of, you know, I, I like to read Reddit. I go to the square circle, um, on Reddit and I got to thank, uh, Mudkips, uh, one of our listeners, longtime listener who put me onto Reddit and really kind of educated me on it. And, you know, you read the squared circle section of Reddit and you have a lot of people that are very, very intelligent. And then you got people that are just crazy and they're just like, yeah, you know, that match was bullshit. I don't understand why it went the way it went. It's like Bray Wyatt did the fucking exorcist walk to the to the cage door. Nothing. If that doesn't scream, holy shit, this is this is deeper than just a regular story. You're you're not well versed in the art form of professional wrestling wrestling isn't just about theatricality and physicality it is an art form it is about storytelling you know some of the some of the comments in the chat uh jay says the match was really good in my opinion innovative and connecting story arcs during the match the way they prevented cena from leaving the cage and the buildup of the story helped to create a living nightmare for cena the marks came out during that match, boys and girls. Slick says it did, li did live up to expectations. Anyone that thought Cena would win is an idiot. It's true. Cena could not have won this match because it would have derailed all the momentum for Bray Wyatt. It would have. So, again, very solid match, amazing storytelling. And just like I said, 
what what Bray Wyatt is doing is he's adding a little extra, a little bit more polish to the story. He's making it not only about him and Cena, but about the fans and about connecting with the fans, about the message that he's trying to he's trying to put out there and how that affects John Cena and the fans. It's all great stuff. It was it was tremendous. I like the way it went. You know, they gave us a good amount of time. It was I think it was about a, li- a little under, I think it was about roughly 15, 20 minutes. Very good match. Very good. And I, like I said, I love the storytelling. If if you didn't, and either you're just not a fan of, of Bray Wyatt's or you just don't feel that those kind of matches are your cup of tea, and that's fine. But for you to jump on board and say that the match was shit, I got to disagree. Um... Slick says, bottom line, Bray Wyatt took the children from Cena. That is like taking the son away from Superman. He cannot win. That, you know, that's that's a really, really good analysis, Slick. So definitely uh, pat yourself on the back for that. It's true. That's, that's a great way of looking at it. Again, this isn't just about the stories in the ring. It is the stories outside of the ring. But again, a solid, solid match. Uh, the Divas Championship was on the line, of course. Paige taking on the always dangerous Tamina Snuka. And Paige did what, what I said she was going to do. Uh, Slick, of course, felt that, you know, Slick felt that Tamina was going to win. And I, you know, I told, I said to Slick, I'm like, listen, Tamina can't win because you have to establish Paige as a legitimate superstar. She's on the scene. She's getting, you know, she's starting to get the attention that she deserves. But you need to have her get these good wins and get these great matches with all the divas. And this is going to be the, the, the trend. You know, it's going to be the trend. I, I do agree. She tapped a little quick. And considering that you're such a powerhouse, you, you, you could have struggled a little bit. Slick said, I'm not so mad that she lost. I'm mad that they jobbed her. But you know what it is? I don't really think that they jobbed her. And the reason I say this is because the match was longer than five minutes. And Tamina did get some offense in. What I feel, you know, what I do feel was, yeah, the tap was a little quick. Because if Tamina's such a powerhouse, she should have tried to fight her way out to try and, and get out of the move. And that would have just added a little bit more to the story. Do I think she was jobbed out? No, because like I said, a job is she comes in, um, Paige hits her with the Paige Turner, puts her in the Scorpion lock, you know, holds up the title, screams and walks out. Three minutes. What I do feel, like I said, is that the story could have been told just a little bit more. A little bit more, you know. It should have it should have been a, it should have been a longer match, and and Jay said the same thing. The match should have gone that they beat the snot out of Paige before she wins. That's what Slick says. And you know, sure, you could go that route, but at the end of the day, the narrative that they wanted to establish was that Paige, you know, overcame the odds against a more a more established diva. That's all it is. But here's the here's the big question, and this is something that you know. With, with with a successful title defense against Tamina in the books. Yeah, we know that a match with AJ is inevitable. Who would you give uh, Paige as her next challenger? I'll, I'll tell you guys, I'd like to see Natalia and Paige start mixing it up. Maybe a little bit of back and forth. Maybe at least, you know, two, two different pay-per-view matches. I'd love to see it. Slick says it's going to be a Bella probably. You're, you're probably not even wrong about that. But I think that that, uh, that Natalia and Paige would have some very, very good matches. And I think Natalia needs it. 
you know, she needs that type of a of a diva to really bring, um, you know, just just a bit more out of her. When you look at Natalia, you forget, you know, she came out of the heart dungeon. Her dad was the anvil. What you think of is total divas and her wedding with Tyson Kidd. You think of all the stuff that WWE wants you to think about because that's what they're feeding you. But people forget that she's very technically sound. I think her and Paige would have a really, really good match. That's all I'm saying. So, the final match of the night, Daniel Bryan taking on Kane, was everything you would expect from a hardcore match. Everything that you've come to expect from somebody as demonic as Kane was really on full display. And I liked it because it allowed it allowed Daniel Bryan to overcome the odds. You know, the use of the forklift, uh, the you know, setting the table on fire. It was all part of, again, a great story. And not only that... Kane and Daniel Bryan have so much history between them that, you know, it's, it's going to be, it's going to be crazy. Now, Jay says that the angle should have ended there. And I'll tell you why that can't happen. Allegedly, they're going to have one more match at payback, which is going to be a buried alive match. And that's how they're going to write Kane off. So he can go fill, he can go film see no evil too. So that's that, that's probably why we're going to get one more match between them and you know what that's if Kane was leaving this month then yeah I would have used that to end the feud but if they're going with the rumored buried alive match then we we kind of know the outcome right away which again if you think that's a spoiler it's you know make of it make of it what you will but it's gonna probably be Daniel Bryan Kane buried alive match at payback and like I said it's um it's gonna it's gonna be used as a vehicle to write Kane off so that he can go and film See No Evil 2. And yes, Isaiah, it is going to happen. See No Evil 2 is a go, and Kane, of course, will be reprising his role as Jacob Goodnight. But again, the pay-per-view, like I said, Extreme Rules, a lot of times, they're not as good as they're, as as you are led to believe. It's the second free, paper, free pay-per-view on the WWE Network, and it was solid from start to finish. Um, you know, there was either, there, there were some low points, like I said, but the low points were low points that can be interpreted, that that can be interpreted by the, by the viewer. So this match was a match that, you know, this card from start to finish was a card that everybody's going to have an opinion on and very few people are going to agree on every match. That's, that's how I, that's how I see it because Josh, you know, Josh writes for us and he was like, yeah, I kind of thought the pay-per-view sucked. And, you know, he had his reasons and his reasons, they, they made, you know, they made, they made sense to, to, you know, based on, on his rationale. I, I personally felt the pay-per-view was good. Was it great? No. What was it? Was it a, you know, a a pay-per-view that, that set a precedent that created new stars out of certain, out of certain wrestlers? Absolutely. Like I said, we got to see uh, Seth Rollins really come into his own. Bad News Barrett get an opportunity to shine in his match. So you know, I, I really felt that. I felt, ex- thank you, Jay. It was a fun pay-per-view. It wasn't terrible. It wasn't stellar. It wasn't amazing. It was fun. And that, my friends, is is what it's all about sometimes. Sometimes it's like when we talk about movies. Sometimes you don't want the Oscar picture or, you know, the deep narrative or the crazy storytelling. Sometimes you just want something that's, fun. That's it. And that's what this pay-per-view was. It was fun. Now, 
on the raw side of things, you know, on the raw side of things, I, I got to say, I felt that there, there were, there were some right things and some wrong things on the raw side of things. We opened up Dean Ambrose had his belt on the, on the line against 20 other, in the, you know, 19 other individuals for a 20 man, excuse me, 20 man over the top battle Royal. Now, the reasoning with this is that a lot of people said, oh, you know, they're really sticking it to Dean Ambrose. They're not. And I'll explain to you why. Yes, at first notice, from a story from a storyline perspective, yeah, they're sticking it to Dean Ambrose. But in terms of Dean Ambrose losing, Dean Ambrose is staying strong. Because think about it. He's not losing cleanly. He is losing because... You know, the odds are stacked against him. From a storyline perspective, it was a very safe way to end this match. I really felt that the way it was done, the way it was executed, was good because, like I said, it kept Ambrose safe. You know, you don't have to, you don't got to go out there and job out Dean Ambrose because the guy is hot. The shield is hot right now. But if you do it that way, you will succeed in, like I said, allowing Dean Ambrose to stay to stay in the spotlight and not lose any momentum plus you take the belt off of him safely that's all I'm saying take the belt off safely and it, it, Jay says they raped they, they raped Ambrose without lube but I understand and that's what I'm saying there's I understood the narrative and like I said it was a safe loss it wasn't like Ambrose was killed he was the last guy and he was eliminated by a guy who's, you know, he's not exactly a scrub either. So it worked out. The only thing is, like I said, in terms of just moving the storyline forward, you don't have to deal with the crutch of Ambrose having the belt. So it was very, very safe, like I said. Could could they have done it better? Sure. We can we can we can have a dozen different scenarios that could have made that match better. But it worked out and the the end result was fine. It wasn't it wasn't terrible, like I said. So Rob Van Dam and Cesaro was your second match of the evening. And it was it was surprisingly good. Cesaro continues to look great. RVD again, like I said, RVD's hit hit and miss with his matches. Sometimes they're amazing. Sometimes they're they're alright. This match it, it was it was decent. I you know the Cesaro D, DQ ending was good because again it was a safe loss for Cesaro and a safe win for Van Dam. You don't make Cesaro look weak and you allow Van Dam to have some momentum and you know stay popular during during his time, you know, his limited run. So again, a lot of stuff that when you look at first glance you're like, "Ah, oh, this is bullshit." But in the larger scheme of things, there's reasoning for it. So again, understandable and I accepted it. I accepted it. Cody Rhodes and Ryback, you know, the seeds of dissension being being generated between the Rhodes brothers is is obvious. The only thing is that you're not going to do it right away. You're going to actually have the you're going to do a slow burn with the Rhodes brothers and I think it's a great idea because honestly, if you do it right away and you give away all the matches, you're going to take away from a feud that has the potential to to probably last at least a good 3 months. If it's done right, when you finally do break up the Rose brothers, there's so much great storytelling you can do. You can talk about, you know, Goldust having more opportunities than Cody and squandering them. 
or that Goldust is holding him back or that Dusty loved Goldust more than Cody. There's so many different ways you can do it. And the fact of the matter is that any way you slice it, you can get some great storytelling. You just got to take your time. Don't rush it. Don't go crazy. Like, this was good. It was a solid match with Ryback. And the way that Cody lost, it was inadvertent. Like, you can see, oh, you know, Goldust was fighting Curtis Axel. They hit the they hit the pole. Cody slipped right into the uh, the shell shock. And it wasn't terrible. It was it was a it was a decent ending. And it was good storytelling without really giving it all away. That's all I'm saying. It was, it was, it was good. I enjoyed it. So Rusev killed Kofi Kingston dead. Let's, let's, let's not kid ourselves. That ladies and gentlemen, definitely was a competitive match, but definitely a Kofi Kingston sacrificial lamb match. Now, if you want to, if you know, if you don't think that this, I thought this was definitely more of a squash and it definitely hindered a guy like Kofi Kingston, who not too long ago was really in the spotlight. But you know what? Check this out. I want you guys to see this and you be the judge. But I felt this match was an unjust squash that definitely hurt Kofi Kingston. You guys be the judge. Check this out. Just hardly any offense in. And destruction is what Rusev is all about. The Bulgarian brute. No wasted motion at all with Rusev. Kofi Kingston, of course, a former Intercontinental United States. Using a little bit of that Tong Po stance. One of the most highly decorated athletes in WWE today. And Alexander Rusev is trying to pick Kingston apart. And Kofi's staying in this thing. This will be an impressive victory. If there you go. Decent offense, not too bad. Get the fuck out of here with that. How do them feet taste? Oh, better chill with that. Oh, you're not going to work twice with that. He's dead. Now Rusev's angry. There it goes. This is this would be a good finisher too. This move right here that he does. It's a pretty good finisher. Boom, he's out. Make you humble. Iron Sheik style. Kofi Kingston gets a free bottle of Tropical Fantasy with his potato salad and roast beef sandwich at the deli. Thanks for coming. So, yeah, again, solid, a solid performance. I don't think, like I said, I don't feel he got, he got, you know, he was totally jobbed out. Some people kind of felt he did. 
but to each his own. But seriously, it was it was here's the thing. Kofi Kingston, given his placement on the card and and how he's an upper card guy, he had to get some offense in there. Definitely had to get some offense in. But, you know, just for Kofi, this loss hurt Kofi more because it almost I think they said that Kofi's lost 100 televised matches. That's what they were saying. I think Kofi's lost 100 televised matches. I don't know if that's right or wrong, but it, it was a little crazy. I was like, all right, 100 matches? Oh, shit. That's that's a little crazy, which is unfortunate because, I again, I say there's there's an upside to Kofi Kingston. There's 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 plenty of promise in him. He just needs, like I said, a, he, he would make a decent Heyman guy. You know, he definitely would make a decent Heyman guy. Or, like I said, Prince Nana should manage Kofi Kingston. I continue to say the same thing. Anyway. Alberto Del Rio took on Daniel Bryan, and that was pretty much a um, a blatant setup leading to the terrible, terrible Kane angle with Brie Bella. It was fucking awful. Like, that's the thing. I like Kane. I like that he's being back to the big red monster, but that, that skit, that segment with Kane and Brie Bella in the car was fucking terrible. It was, t- I was like, oh my God, that's, it was so bad. Like, it really was douche-worthy. But you know what? Don't take my word for it. Check check this terrible, terrible, terrible skit. God, was it bad. But you guys can laugh for yourselves. Check this out. Oh no, the car doesn't start. It's not, it's not starting. Are you serious? Come on. Daniel. Hurry. Why don't you just take another rental car? There's a, there's a wire unplugged. Let's go. Come Somebody on. Unplug the wire. Somebody Daniel. unplug the wire. Hurry. Hurry and do auto mechanics. Look at the way she's doing, she's doing rabbit punch, you know, she's doing slaps. You're fighting a guy, a guy, 300 pound guy is trying to, 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 to violate you, and you're using slaps. Even though you fight other women. Why wouldn't you be trying to start the car? No? No, you're not going to try and start the car, you're just going to scream, okay. No problem. That screaming is terrible, terrible. Like, you're supposed to be his chick. Shouldn't you be hitting Kane with, like, a club or a tire iron? No. Not at all. Or or what about this? What about the fact that why don't you just back over Kane and run him over? No. We got to make this cheesy horror movie. Oh, look. Check him like he's alive, like Jason. What is that? What is that? Besides the fact that you have a shirtless man in his underwear driving away with a screaming woman in the car, and no one thinks anything is wrong with this whatsoever. Again, a really, really terrible fucking segment. Kane is good, as usual, but what a fucking shit segment. Oh my god. It was... It was... Oh, Jesus. It, <laughs> it, was, it was bad. It, it was, it was really, it was really fucking terrible. It was, 
That's that's what that was. Really, really bad. Her her acting, her acting was shit. There really should be. I got an idea, Jay. When when you got a couple of the fellas at the house, I got a drinking game for you. Every time they call Kane the demon or the demon Kane, someone takes a shot. Because it's, it's ridiculous. It is ridiculous. Every time they say the demon Kane, the monster Kane, any, anytime they call Kane anything other than just plain Kane, you take a shot. I guarantee you by the time you're done with the segment, you'll be fucked up. Because <laughs> I'm like, what the fuck is going on? Like, why is she screaming like that? Like, it, it didn't even feel like legitimate screaming. It didn't even feel like legitimate screaming. Like, oh, this is this is so bad. So bad. It really was like douche chill theater. But what can you do? Big E got his rematch against Wade Barrett. Definitely a great match. But the crowd definitely was into Wade Barrett. You could see it. He came out, and as soon as he said, I got afraid, I'm afraid I got some bad news, the crowd was into it. They were into it hundred percent. So it wouldn't it would I wouldn't be shocked if Wade Barrett starts becoming more of a tweener than a full-on heel. That's all I'm saying. But again, solid work between both guys. Um a gr- you can actually create a solid feud between both guys for the foreseeable future. I really like that Big E Langston showed a little bit more aggression in this match. It was really good. Um, I totally, totally enjoyed it. And of course, we had our Zeb Coulter segment, which was pretty funny because obviously he was talking about deporting certain superstars, but it was served as a great vehicle for the debut of Adam Rose, which his live entrance is probably going to become the most popular thing about him in the near future. I can almost guarantee it, but it was, it was a solid segment. Zeb Coulter was in great form as usual. And it worked well for Adam Rose's debut. Nice way to kind of offset everything before the Shield and the Wyatt family faced off in another stellar match, which, again, very good. I like the way it went. And, um, you know, the ending, the ending was what brought everything full circle. And I like that a lot of people said, oh, well, you know, Evolution made the, the Shield look really bad at the end of Raw. But the the bad guys got to get their revenge after being made to look like shit at the pay-per-view. But you know what? Check out the ass whooping for yourselves and you guys tell me. Because like I said, I really felt that it was a great way to close out Raw. Most of you disagree, but I'll let you guys judge. Those Evolution shirts are fucking terrible. God awful. Oh, look, they all match today. Thanks for matching, Dave. Thanks. Thanks for matching. Hangman DDT spot. One of Orton's better spots. Nighty night. Rollins sold that very well also. Allow me to gently place you on these steps. Look, it didn't even make any impact. Allow me to place you gently on these steps, Dean. Deposited is right. Right now the 
You gotta keep Rain strong. He's gotta fight out. You gotta keep him strong. Oh, hold this RKO. Hold that. Oh, look at Triple H is living. There you go. Nighty night. Thanks for coming. Now I'm gonna gently place Dean Ambrose in the ring. Those shirts are so bad, guys. Like, you have to put the snake on the skeleton to make everybody know that it was Orton. Meanwhile, Triple H's skeleton looks like the skeleton from Indiana Jones. Like, those look like the designs from the Ark of the Covenant. Oh, look, Dave, you're useful. Look at my belly button tattoo. Look at it. Look. Look real close. There you go. This is complete humiliation of the shield. Evolution. Doing what the shield did to them. There you go. It took six men. I like how Batista wrestles in Jordans, by the way. Nice $275 Jordans that he's wearing, the future ones that he had on, on Sunday night. Yep, wipe that spit off your face because you look like an asshole. Yeah, exactly. So, as I was saying, you know, it was it was useful. It was a solid beatdown, but you know, it was it was terrible. It was terrible. So, um, Jay says, "Don't be a lemon, be a rosebud." Slick. How did they make them look bad? Took six guys to beat three. There you go. I, I got no problem with that. But again, you know, just just talking about like different people's opinions that I that I came across. Uh, thanks for not wearing red tonight, Dick. <laughs> Jay says Batista's trunks were finally delivered by FedEx. You know, Batista shaves for no one. The shirt proves the shield's point. Skeletons equal old. It's like WWE designs amazing shirts and Triple H gets some fairly solid shirts very solid shirts but in this instance it's like yo who approved that design that design was dog shit it really was fucking god awful but hey to each his own anyway overall raw was okay it was very academic you know for for a post pay-per-view raw the the only you know just angle advancement leading up to payback which is the next pay-per-view anyway but Again, left left quite a bit to be desired. It wasn't it wasn't fantastic, but it was it was all right. You know, it was it was okay, and that's all we could accept. It was okay. That's put it like this: the pay per view was better than Raw, but for a post show Raw, it wasn't god awful. That's all I'm saying. Anyway, let's talk about the week's wrestling news. Um, I gotta wish a speedy recovery to Chavo Guerrero, who actually had to go under the knife recently for appendicitis. He had to have emergency surgery. Uh, early last week and um, you know he's been on the men since so definitely uh, speedy recovery to Chavo Chavo's a solid wrestler I always I always feel bad that nobody ever got to find his talent and use them effectively I thought TNA was going to be the company that was going to do that but clearly they can't if anything I think Chavo would have a great career either in AAA or in Japan because he's 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 a very very well-rounded wrestler. I mean, it's very easy for you to say, yeah, you know, he could run around and pretend to be Eddie Guerrero all he wants, 
but it's not the same. I, I disagree. I think Chavo still has something to offer, and I wish him a speedy recovery. Another TNA standout, which pretty much got over in TNA, was misused by WWE left and has kind of been just on the independent scene. Looks like he's getting um, a new lease on life courtesy of TNA, and that is Low Key. Now, for those of you that don't know, Low Key wrestled in the WWE as Caval in one season of NXT, at which point... Uh, he pretty much kind of languished on the undercard a little bit, and he was misused, and he asked for his relief, for his release, and he left. And it looks like TNA is going to be picking him up, not only as a talent, but also as an agent for the X Division. So it's going to be very interesting. Low-key work, the, uh, the one-night extravaganza pay-per-view um, early in April, and he won an Ultimate X match in that pay-per-view to challenge for the belt. So I'm sure we'll be seeing low-key in the future, I think low-key, it, it's just, it's very hard to to find a place for him in the WWE because he has a very unique moveset, he has a very unique look, but again, just underutilized, and I think right now the WWE has so much talent that even if low-key came back, he would still be misused. I think TNA, they're in a rebuilding period right now, they're bringing in some decent talent, and not for nothing, I think that the X Division does need a shot in the arm. And Loki's a good guy to do it. Where it goes from there remains to be seen. But as always, we will be keeping an eye on it. And we'll be updating you guys in the near future. All right. So last week I talked about the WWE conference call and the fact that they announced that Tough Enough was coming back. It looks like Tough Enough is going to be filmed at the WWE Performance Center. And they're going to utilize their developmental talent for that season and of course it's going to be original pro it's going to be original programming on the network now for those of you that are saying oh but how's that different from nxt very very easy you can do tough enough with all the wrestlers that haven't gotten tv time on nxt all those developmental guys that you're still working on that you're still trying to iron out you can focus on them in tough enough have them transition to nxt and then from nxt to the main roster i think it's a it's a solid plan and again it's going to be filmed allegedly within 30 it's going to take 30 days of filming and you'll be able to use developmental talent you already got which is going to work to establish these these particular athletes before they make the jump to NXT or uh, WWE programming. And I agree. I hope Sammy Callahan is on there. I think he'd be a great guy to showcase on there. He has a solid look. And I think Tough Enough would be good for him. So I'm very, very happy to see Tough Enough coming back. I never thought it was a bad show. There was a lot of great moments from previous seasons. I mean, a lot of good guys came out of there. Daniel Pewter, who I'm shocked, just never got further along than he did uh great tough enough standout uh nydia of course you can talk about nydia nydia actually she married uh eric angle kurt angle's brother and um another talented you know another talented individual that came out of tough enough uh jackie gata uh who else do we got that came out of there of course uh matt capitelli who you know he his career was derailed by cancer another great promising guy john morrison came out of tough enough for as much as people don't don't give it credit where credit is due john morrison came out of tough enough as well and he was a, a solid worker he had a great look and he just continued to improve leaps and bounds i i wouldn't be shocked if we see john morrison back in the wwe sooner rather than later i think his relationship with melina was something that derailed his career but 
if, you know, I think absence makes their heart grow fonder. And I think there's a place for John Morrison in the WWE in its current incarnation. We'll see if I'm right or wrong, but I do feel he would make a great addition to the roster. So we were talking a couple of months back about WWE purchasing uh, the library from Puerto Rico with the induction of Carlos Colon. Well, as it turns out, they picked up a brand new library recently, and that is the Mid-Atlantic Wrestling Library. So they picked up a lot of the stuff from Jim Crockett Promotions, and you're going to be seeing a lot of that stuff being used throughout uh, WWE programming, including, obviously, uh, the Ric Flair versus Buddy Rogers match, which is probably one of the only complete matches in existence. So a solid pickup by WWE, and I think it's going to be something that's going to uh, really... Um, showcase a lot of the old timers correctly. And I'm glad that WWE continues to pick up these old libraries that they'll be able to, to do some stuff with. So a solid pickup for sure. Definitely looking forward to seeing uh, Ric Flair versus Buddy Rogers. I've heard good things. I've seen uh, highlights on YouTube, which are definitely low quality. So I'm sure WWE, WWE is going to remaster it and make it look really good. So I'm looking forward to seeing that. A name that we haven't talked about in quite some time, which is rumored to be coming back in the next few weeks, is Evan Bourne. I'm a big fan of Evan Bourne. I always felt that he he was he's a guy that can become the next Rey Mysterio. You know, the little guy that the crowd gets behind because he has a great move set and he just has a unique look. And you know, I'm very happy to see Evan Bourne is coming back. But there's a rumor that they're gonna put him and Tyson Kidd together as a tag team upon his return. Now, I think it's a great idea. I think Tyson Kidd is an incredibly underutilized guy. So underutilized, so misused. I think that, you know, a tag team run with Evan Bourne would be great. But you know what? I really would have liked to have seen Tyson Kidd and Justin Gabriel get a run together because I think Justin Gabriel and Kidd just had better chemistry. That's all I'm saying. Jay says Derek Rose will come back before Evan Bourne. Damn, dude. Just... Just no love for, for, for the high flyer himself. But I'll say this. Even if you put Evan Bourne with Tyson Kidd and you give him a catchy name, I think that the move the move sets between those two guys will complement each other well. But like I said, Justin Gabriel's another guy that, that he just needs that, that same push. A solid tag team where people can get behind him right away. I, I, I feel Justin Gabriel is going to be another guy that's going to fall by the wayside, and who knows? He may get cut too, and then we'll see him in TNA as part of the X Division, but who knows? So Batista's return, we all know it hasn't exactly been the greatest return. We all know that you know Batista, we got a lot of jokes about Batista, but he is getting his own DVD slash Blu-ray. The Animal Unleashed is going to be a multi-disc set covering the entire career of one Dave Batista. Now, um, the guys at uh, Pro Wrestling DVDs have actually shared um, a little bit of the match listings, and I want to let you guys know if you're into, if you're a hardcore Batista fan, there's actually some cool stuff in there. The first disc is going to be obviously your your staple documentary. Uh, following Batista's career, his foray into mixed martial arts, his work, his acting, etc. But for those of you that are thinking that this is going to be some real shit DVD, there are some good matches. I cannot cue Homer for this, Jay, and I'll tell you why. Here's some of the matches. Leviathan versus Brock Lesnar, OVW 2001. That's a great match. Reverend Devon and Batista versus Farouk and Randy Orton. 
SmackDown, June 27th, 2002. Another good match. The bull rope match for the World Heavyweight Championship between Batista and John Bradshaw Layfield. How about this? Batista, Rey Mysterio, and Bobby Lashley versus King Booker, Finley, and Mark Henry. Saturday night's main event, July 15th, 2006. On the second disc, there's a couple of good matches there too. A triple threat match for the belt between Batista, King Booker, and Finley from 2006. Another match on there, Batista, Kane, Finley, and Mark Henry in a fatal four-way number one contenders match, uh, SmackDown, May 25th, 2007. Jay says, these matches sound like someone pressed random match on WWE 2K14. (laughs) Come on, Jay, don't be so jaded. Christ. Here's a good one. Batista versus Edge from SmackDown, June 29th, 2007. That was a pretty decent match. The last standing, the last man standing match with Kane was, was a good one. I actually like that match. That was from 2007. I think the date that they got here is December 14th. I kind of feel that it was a little earlier than that, but I could be wrong. Uh, Batista and Shawn Michaels in a stretcher match from one night stand, June 1st, 2008. Uh, the Great American Bash match between Batista and CM Punk. How about that? July 20th, 2008. And, of course, the World Heavyweight Championship match between Batista and Chris Jericho from Cyber Sunday. Wow. There, there's a there's a pay-per-view name I haven't heard in years. Cyber Sunday, October 26, 2008. And last but not least, on the third disc, you got some of the newer stuff. But there's a couple good ones in there. Batista and Shane McMahon versus Legacy, which was Cody Rhodes and Ted DiBiase, if you didn't know. Uh, the steel cage match between Batista and Randy Orton from Extreme Rules. June 7th, 2009. And uh, also from 2009, Batista and CM Punk, uh, Batista and Rey Mysterio from Survivor Series. And that was also his his feud with Rey Mysterio that included the street fight, which happened on SmackDown the following month. Uh, You had the triple threat match between him, Sheamus, and Randy Orton from 2010. Yuck. The I Quit match with John Cena, which of course gave us that great Batista promo where he quit and left the company. And, of course, Batista's return at the Royal Rumble and his piece-of-shit match with Alberto Del Rio. So, if you're interested in picking that up, when I get a release date, I'll share it with you guys. But there are some pretty solid matches in there. I really like uh, the earlier stuff. I think Leviathan and Brock Lesnar, of course, is a match that you definitely got to check out if you've never seen it. Because it was surprisingly good with a very young but very talented Brock Lesnar. Uh, Jay says, this is right up the alley of Santino's greatest matches and the history of Barry Horowitz. (laughs) So, so jaded you are. So, so jaded. But, hey, to each his own. So, a couple weeks back, I was talking about Rey Mysterio's contract negotiations. Um, We knew that he was on the verge of re-signing, and it was a matter of how he was going to re-sign or if he was going to make the jump and go to Mexico. Well, as it turns out, it looks like WWE is going to pitch an ambassador contract to Rey Mysterio. So what he's going to do is um, he'll be able to be an ambassador, much like Ric Flair, Hogan, and the late Ultimate Warrior. And he'll still be involved in a wrestling capacity, but not as much. He'll be utilized in in an ambassador role to go out and promote WWE all over the world. And I think considering how, how many injuries he's had as of late, I think it's a great job. For him, and not only that, who knows, we may see Rey Mysterio in the Hall of Fame shortly thereafter, but I think it's a solid way to go. 
And of course, once I hear anything or if it's confirmed that he's re-signed as an ambassador, I will share it with you guys. Isaiah says, Batista was always too big and slow for me to get into. I always loved Cena, though. Hey, to each his own. Jay says, the youngest wrestler to get an ambassador legends contract. It's true, but you know what it is? I think if it's, they'd be stupid to let Rey Mysterio go to Mexico, considering how popular he is with the kids and how easily recognizable he is across the world. So keeping him on as an ambassador or as a, as a face of an, you know, the face of an organization is smart, is, is smart on their part. And who knows if he wants to get in the ring once in a while, it's not too bad. And you really avoid the risk of Rey Mysterio's career being cut, cut short. I think he would be foolish not to take this deal because it would take care of his family for life. So we'll see what happens. Like I said, if anything new develops, I will share it with you guys. Um, very interesting piece of news I saw from the Wrestling Observer. Uh, they're saying that the WWE is considering giving wrestlers actual time off in order to rest up and recharge themselves. Um, you know, obviously, we've talked about this before about wrestlers getting time off. Me personally, I'd like to see wrestlers get time off, but during that time, you can bring up new re- new guys onto the roster and kind of split it where a certain crop of guys take time off and then a new crop of guys come back on. I think it would be a great way to showcase all the different talent you got. You have all these hours of television. I think it would be a smart move. You know, you let these guys take some time off because I think that's one of the reasons why so many of them get burned out because it's 300 plus days a year. You got all these nagging injuries. And then at the end of the day, your career gets cut short and you know, you lose, everybody loses. The fans lose, the wrestlers lose their spots. Like I said, you have a roster of developmental guys, NXT guys, and main roster guys. You can definitely give certain individuals time off. Again, we'll see what happens in the coming months, but I think the problem is that they're scared that it will impact their house shows because a lot of those names are the names that they use to sell tickets to those shows. So if you give John Cena a month off and he's one of the guys that you use to promote, um, you know, all your house shows on the house show circuit, you do run the risk of possibly losing uh, some revenue, but... What they got to do is, in that case, is start creating new stars that can that can absorb the workload. Start creating some new faces and some new heels. So if you need to tell, you know, John Cena to take a month off or Daniel Bryan to take a month off or whoever, that you're not going to lose any of that momentum because you got other guys that can step up. That's all I'm saying. Jay said it too. He's been saying that shit for years. Uh, you know, they're afraid of saying out of sight, out of mind. That's true, Jay. A lot of those guys are so scared of losing their spot. But if you give them a month off here and here or there, it's not going to hurt anybody because you have an entire network to keep those superstars out there. That's not to say that they can't do, you know, videotape promos or do publicity appearances, but just take time off and recover from the rigors of the road. I think it's a great idea. Whether it gets executed or not remains to be seen, but it's something that considering that it was mentioned on the Observer and it's been kind of tossed around the last couple of months, I wouldn't be shocked if it happens because what's going to end up happening is guys are going to pull the CM Punk and they're going to be like, yo, I need time off. And what you end up doing in that case is you end up just just hurting the company. I mean, look at Rob Van Dam. Rob Van Dam comes in, wrestles for a couple of months, then he leaves. Chris Jericho, he comes in, he goes, he does his separate projects, he comes back 
and it keeps these guys fresh. It, it, it allows them to wrestle longer. It's not a bad thing. It's really not. So Trish Stratus did an interview with the Miami Herald, which is going to definitely ruffle a lot of feathers. She did. She said in an interview, and I quote, uh, the divas, the, the current crop of WWE divas are not as focused on character development. She went on to say the following. We represented different things. We were kind. We were kind of there to work. That was our mantra. We wanted you to look at us for our work, not le- not necessarily what we are wearing. I think the Divas Division, the Divas Division, and this may sound cliche because I don't know how many times I've said this, but all they need is a bit more character development. We don't get to know them, so when they get in the ring, unfortunately, nobody cares. This is from Trish Stratus, mind you. There is nothing for us to get behind or motivated or excited about character-wise and storyline-wise. I think there needs to be a little bit more focus on the characters, and with more TV time, I need to know and become invested in these characters. She definitely makes a great point because think about it. Look at look at a let's look at a diva like Oksana. The only thing we know about Oksana is that she's from Lithuania. She has an accent, and she likes she likes to be scantily clad. But we don't know anything else. You know what I mean? Like you don't connect. You can't connect with the character any better. And of course, it's very easy to say, yeah, well, her job is to be out there half naked and, you know, that's her job. But I think that part of the reasoning is that it's true. We're losing that bit of character development during the Attitude Era. You knew that that Lita was the daredevil. You know that she liked to, you know, do motocross and do a lot of crazy stuff because they took time to expand on the origins of these divas. Same thing with Trish Stratus. Same thing with Tori Wilson. Uh you know, Candice Michelle, there was always a little bit of story. There was a little bit of, of, of deeper uh, character development. And I think that definitely is something that's missing. I mean, look at Alicia Fox. Alicia Fox originally was used as the wedding planner with Edge in that really, really, you know, old segment when he was planning his wedding to Vicky Guerrero. Then all of a sudden they pulled her off TV. She went, she came back onto the main roster And they had to acknowledge that she was the wedding planner, but then they just swept that under the rug. Like, you don't really know anything else about Alicia Fox. Now, Jay says, yeah, but they're doing that with Total Divas. Yeah, they're doing that with Total Divas, but not for all the Divas, only for, like, six of them. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, you're going to learn more about, and, and not only that, but that shit is scripted as hell, too. So the only thing that you're really getting is a glimpse into their lives, but you're getting a glimpse into their lives as their characters. Not as themselves. You think that Brie Bella walks around looking the way she does at home normally? She's probably walking around the house in sweatpants and a big-ass sweater with no makeup on, her hair fucking tied up. You know what I'm saying? Like, like we obviously know that the show is a work. But I do I do understand what she's saying because you're, you're, you watch Total Divas, you're only learning about Natalia, the Bellas, uh, the Funkadactyls, Eva Marie, and, you know, uh, Prissy, Prissy Hen, Summer Rae. That's it. You're not learning about, like, you're not learning about AJ and where she grew up or, you know, how her family is. You're not learning about, you know, you didn't know anything about, um, you know, Caitlyn when she was there. You didn't know anything about Beth Phoenix when she was there. Very little. You didn't know anything about those divas, and I think that that's one of the reasons why they get swept under the rug, because you're not connecting. You're not learning more about them. 
And, that, and you know, I, I understand. I, I'm sure that, that that particular comment is going to piss off a lot of divas. You know, a lot of women are going to get really catty about it. You know? It, it was... It was it, it's not... It's not where it should be, but it needs very little tweaking. Like, think about it. You're starting to learn a little bit more about Emma. You're starting to learn a little bit more about Paige because they tell you a little bit more about them, but not too much. You know, like if they said, hey, Paige's mother used to be is a wrestler as well, and she still wrestles. You know, a lot of people don't know that stuff, but it allows them to connect with the characters and the personas a little bit more. And, you know, it's 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 little things like that that do a lot for the story. That's all I'm saying. She does have a point. So last bit of wrestling news to wrap things up. Uh, we are, we all know about WWE legends house and it is definitely a gem on the WWE network, but they are talking about a second season with a brand new set of legends that they plan on using. Now we've joked about which legends we'd like to see and which legends would be great, would make for great television. Well, it looks like Ric Flair may be on the next episode of Legends House. And oh shit, is it going to be great television? Ric Flair in a house with a whole bunch of other legends just being a complete fucking lunatic? Oh, it's amazing TV. Amazing. I'd love to see it. Not only that, but there's a rumor that Hogan is also going to be on Legends House. So think think about it at Legends House with Hogan and fucking Piper not um not Piper uh, Hogan and Ric Flair. It would be insane. Hogan and Ric Flair in one house doing all that crazy shit. It would be ridiculous. Complete and utter insanity. I would I'd love it. I'd love to see it. You know, you take Hogan, Ric Flair, Diamond Dallas Page, uh Booker T and I need a fifth guy. Booker T, Diamond Dallas Page, Hogan, Flair, uh, give me another one. Anybody in the chat got another one? Booker T. I, I was going to say Stevie Ray. Jay says Hogan, Flair, Dusty, Honky Tonk Man, DDP, Razor Ramon, Booker T, and Jake the Snake. Okay, that's a, that's a good one. How about Hogan, Flair, DDP, Booker T, Kevin Nash, just because Nash and Booker T are fantastic together. Honky Tonk Man is, is a little a little questionable, but you know who I'd put in there? Lawler. Jerry Lawler, Booker T, or or, or Booker T, Kevin Nash. You, you, you know what, Slick? Shawn Michaels would be good. But the only thing is, I think Shawn Michaels would look at it as a step down for himself. Because he, you know, not to say that he, you know, he might. <laughs> Honky Tonk Man would be priceless. But it's true. Jay, I forgot about that, Jay. Honky Tonk Man because he talks shit about everybody. Yes. Slick, I don't I don't disagree. I think Shawn Michaels would make for great television. But the only problem is, oh, you know who I'd put in there? Sid Vicious. Sid Vicious and Vader. Vader on Legends House would be amazing. Holy shit. <laughs> Slick, I forgot all about Rick Martell. I thought Rick Martell was dead. Am I wrong? Jay says Mick Foley. Mick Foley would be great, but Mick Foley, I think, got him, gets himself into trouble like every couple of weeks. He writes something on Facebook about the company and he's automatically in the doghouse. 
Mick Foley would be fantastic. I'd, I'd love to see that. Hell, Stone Cold Steve Austin in Legends House would be priceless. You know? Stone Cold Steve Austin would be a fucking lunatic on Legends House. But who knows? But Hogan and Flair definitely make me want to tune in. Like I said, there's so much material and so many crazy things you could do with just Hogan and Flair. It's like fucking the Starsky and Hutch of wrestling with Hogan and Flair on Legends House. But again, nothing is official. It's all rumors and speculation, so take it with a grain of salt. But if I do hear anything else or it's confirmed, of course, I will let you guys know. All right, so with that said, that is going to wrap up this week's wrestling segment. As always, um, our wrestling segment is brought to you by WWEshop.com. Use the promo code WWESAVE10 to save $10 of of order, uh, excuse me, on orders over $70 or more. Again, the promo code WWE save 10 and you can find banners with that promo code on mytakeradio.com. All right, so we got a lot of gaming stuff to discuss, so I recommend and advise Slick to get his fingers ready to dial in because I'm definitely going to need an assist from him on this one. All right, let's get into this week's gaming news, shall we? All right, so this past weekend, they unveiled the trailer for the brand new Call of Duty Advanced Warfare. Now, a lot of people felt that, oh, you know, it's it's this, it's that, it's the same old shit. I liked where they were going, but you can tell that they were borrowing stuff from Titanfall and from some of the other games. And I think people are just starting to feel that it's the same old shit. Some of you may agree. Some of you may disagree, but I want you guys to check to check the trailer out and, um, you know, let me know what you think because oh, that's the one in Spanish. I need the one in English How about that. This is why I hate autoplay. But anyway, as I said, check out the brand new trailer for Call of Duty Advanced Warfare. I want to talk about it a little bit, like I said, because people have been very, very torn about it. And I want to hear what you guys got to say. Check this out. Democracy, democracy. Democracy is not what these people need. Hell, it's not even what they want. America's been trying to install democracies in nations for a century, and it hasn't worked one time. These countries don't have the most basic building blocks to support a democracy. Little things like we ought to be tolerant of those who disagree with us. We ought to be tolerant of those who worship a different God than us. That a journalist ought to be able to disagree with the president. And you think that you can just march into these countries based on some fundamentalist religious principles, drop a few bombs, topple a dictator and start a democracy? Freedom. They want boundaries, rules. 
protection from invaders and from themselves. People need a leader who can give them both the support and the constraints to keep chaos at bay. You give them that, and they'll follow. And that's where I come in. All right, so you guys saw the trailer. What do you guys think? <laughs> uh, what do we got? Isaiah, Call of Halo War Ops Blackfall Bioshock. <laughs> I have not brought a Call of Duty game since Black Ops 1, and I don't intend on buying Call of Duty anymore. Hashed up bullshit. It's beginning to be like Madden with a few new things every year. Oh, and Guns of the Patriots did the whole PMCs thing first. They don't have an original idea anymore. It's only but so many times you can create a new story about war before it gets old. That's why they moved away from World War II. Okay. I I honestly think that Call of Duty, Halo, all these games, they're, they're, and, and this is something that a lot of people will give me shit about. I do feel that a lot of them are practically all the same. It's like Halo, Call of Duty, and Space. Uh, Gears of War is Call of Duty shooting aliens in the face, but using cover and chainsaw guns. Not to say that they're not good, not to say that they suck, but there's a lot of influence between each game when you watch it and when you play it. I mean, a lot of guys, look, Call of Duty is going to make a billion dollars. It's going to happen. It always happens. And it's something that we have to accept. But you do have to consider that, in instances like this, you you take out a game, you put all this money into it, you bring in Kevin Spacey, you put out this awesome trailer, it's going to get a lot of people talking. But the funny thing was, when this trailer dropped, and I shared it on MyTakeRadio.com, when I saw it, what I saw on Twitter and Facebook was a very, very divided audience. A lot of people said, oh man, it's the same old shit. And a lot of other people felt that it was just not it wasn't taking the series forward because we'd already seen some of that stuff with Titanfall. Now I've been playing Titanfall a little bit because I picked up an Xbox one. I've been playing more killer instinct than Titanfall, but I will say that Titanfall definitely took the genre in a different direction. I'm not saying that it was revolutionary, but at least it was different. Now you're using elements from that game in call of duty. I don't care what you say. You know, there's a lot of there's a lot of elements that you that we've seen in Halo and we've seen in Titanfall, which are definitely apparent in Call of Duty Advanced Warfare. Again, not to say that it's not going to be successful, not to say that it'll be that it'll be terrible. I'm sure people are going to chomp at the bit and jump right into it. But I have to say that it's not the same type. It's not the same caliber of game. 
as some you know as some of the stuff we've seen. It feels like they add a little bit more bells and whistles, but the overall premise is the same. Not that that's a bad thing, but just I want to let people I want to tell people to be informed, you know. So when somebody says ah, it's the same old shit, you can't you can't fight that argument. Yeah, it looks amazing. Yes, the graphics look insane. Yes, you're going to make people want to jump and drop $60 on the game. No arguments there. But I want people to not be to not jump at the at at the chance to say that this game is going to revolutionize the industry. Cuz yeah, it's going to revolutionize the industry from a monetary standpoint because it's going to be another billion dollar game, but it's it's nothing more than what we've seen before with just a little bit more polish and better graphics. Obviously, if you disagree, by all means, feel free to call 347-324-3541. I'd love to hear your opinion. Or if you're in the chat, you know, feel free to sound off. You know, this is this is open discussion. Call of Duty for me, the multiplayer. Everybody loves the multiplayer. Me, personally, I like the single-player campaigns. I play them most times just because multiplayer gets a little crazy and a little stressful. But you're not really revolutionizing anything. You're just making it look prettier to each his own. But that's that's pretty much where I stand with Call of Duty. Some people may disagree, but me personally, like I said, you throw Kevin Spacey in there, you throw some bells and whistles in there. It's all well and good, but how much is enough? That's what remains to be seen. Another, another game that, Obviously, my f- people people that listen to the show and want to break my balls are going to say this game is a lot of the same too, and that's Street Fighter. Ultra Street Fighter 4, of course, will be released digitally in June with a disc version available in August. Now, again, I make no apologies for Street Fighter to each his own, much like Call of Duty. It's a lot of the same, but I'm a fighting aficionado. I love Street Fighter, much like guys that love SP- FPS are going to defend that, but Street Fighter, actually, um, Capcom showed off some new stuff that you're going to see in Ultra Street Fighter 4, including the ability to have fight requests during training mode, so you'll be able to to tra- do training mode and, and work on your game, but you'll also be able to accept fight requests that way. The beauty of it is that if you pause the game, it will disable matchmaking temporarily. Plus, of course, the, uh, you're going to have an offline battle log so you can watch local multiplayer games. And of course, you'll be able to share offline videos much like before via YouTube. So if you are a Street Fighter fan and you're counting down Ultra Street Fighter 4, uh, the digital version arrives on PS3 and Xbox 360 in June. But if you want a disc version, you're going to have to wait till August. So there you have it. Digital upgrade in June, standalone release in August. Now... If you've been watching uh, MyTakeRadio.com the last couple of weeks, you know that Slick has been covering a lot of news about about Watchdogs, and everybody's counting down, and they can't wait for it because they know that um, Watchdog. No, uh, let me stop one second to answer your question, Isaiah. No, it will not be sixty bucks for the full game. I think it might be thirty or forty tops for the full disc. I think the upgrade may be a couple of bucks, but nowhere near any of that. If, if it's if it doesn't pay, if it's more than forty, I'd be shocked. But I think forty is going to be the cap on that. So if you're if you're going to pick it up, it's probably going to run you forty bucks. Anyway, as I was saying, Watch Dogs, everybody's counting down. 
and it's coming out on every system, PS3, Xbox 360, PS4, Xbox One, and PC. And, um, it, you know, it's here's the funny thing, though. The Wii U is going to be getting a version of Watch Dogs as well. So here we have a situation where we thought the Wii U was, was getting the death knell, but it's definitely not the case. The Wii U is going to get its very own version of Watch Dogs, which will be available later this year. So, um, Slick, I wanted to know if you were in queue because I want want you to share a little bit about Watch Dogs uh, with with the listeners. If you're on if you're on queue, I can bring you in. All right, thank you, sir. So, Slick Slick is the end all be all when it comes to Watch Dogs. He's been covering it much like he's been covering GTA a lot because I'm I have such a huge backlog of games. I haven't even jumped into GTA fully. So let me bring Slick on board so he can give you the skinny on Watch Dogs. Slick, what's up, buddy? What's up, man? So, Watch Dogs is getting a Wii U version, and they're actually acknowledging it publicly. First off, obviously, you've been very vocal about Watch Dogs the last couple of weeks, and you've been very excited. You've made your excitement very well known. How do you feel that the that the Wii U is going to get some shine with Watch Dogs, and where do you feel the, the game's success hinges most on? Do you feel that, you know, the next-gen... The next-gen versions are going to be the must-owns, or do you feel that the game is just going to be enjoyable on every platform? I'm hoping that the next-gen versions will be the must-owns. But as I've you know, also been vocal, multi, I want to say in this case, multi-generation games have been somewhat disappointing on the, the next-gen platforms. Not saying they're bad, right. but I'll take, for example, a game I got last week, The Amazing Spider-Man 2. The Amazing Spider-Man 2 is... I'm, I'm still up in the air by it. That's why the review hasn't come out yet. Right. It's turning out like it might be just as good as the last game, or it might not be. I'm, I'm still up in the air with the story, but in terms of next gen quality, this is you know, graphically and the performance of it, there is spots and really spots where it looks like something that belongs on the PS four. Right. Most of the game looks like middle of the road PS three graphics and there are actually spots where the graphics drop the PS two quality. Really? And it's just running on the PS four. That's a little crazy. Yeah, but I mean, it's a it's a movie tie-in, so in that essence, I'm not terribly surprised. I'm only surprised because this really wasn't the case with the last game, which was made by the same company. Then you have games like Assassin's Creed 4, which also made by Ubisoft, which, while the PS4 and Xbox One versions and even Wii U versions only looks slightly better than the PS3 and Xbox 360 version. Right. But other than that, you know, there was nothing really bad to say about them to say that, you know, you should get it on the earlier consoles versus the later consoles. Watch Dogs, there's been a lot of controversy over Watch Dogs because when it first came out, 
when it was first announced, it was absolutely beautiful looking. Right. And they were saying that that was a high-end PC that was running it. It wasn't running in engine or any console, and that the console versions aren't going to look like that. Well, let me let me stop you. Let me stop you for one second, because you said that it was being run on a high-end PC. Now, it's funny you mentioned that because as you saw in the Call of Duty trailer I just showed, you liked that the trailer opened. Before it said anything else, all footage was from the Xbox One version. Notice notice how they did that. So it's funny that you say that about Watch Dogs because I, it amuses me that now certain games, they're making it a point to let you know, hey, it's running on this system. Well, they have to. Because if you don't say that, then people are going to wonder. People are going to wonder if you're calling the old Killzone 2 trick. Yep. <laughs> Which is CGI renders and not in-game. Because, I mean, there's certain things that no matter what you say, you can tell. Yep. This is not in-game engine. Like Absolutely not. If you're showing all your all your scenes with, like, you know, Call of Duty, you're showing soldiers walking towards the camera. That's not in-game footage. That's, nope. If that's in-game footage, that's a cutscene. That's not actual gameplay. Right. That's not something you do when you're controlling the character. Correct. But it's like... Um, Watch Dogs is going to be a very story-heavy game, so as long as the graphics are decent, and I, I want to say as long as the graphics stay solid, you know, at you know, the same level all the way through the game, right? it's not going to matter so much because Watch Dogs is one of those games that is probably going to sell people more on the stories than the visuals. Okay. Understandable. And... The way it's looking right now, like, I just posted a new trailer of, like, the characters and everything. It doesn't do anything like Call of Duty, which one of the reasons why Call of Duty put that claim up is because Call of Duty's been in bed with Xbox for years. Yep. So, yeah, they're going to say that. Right. But Ubisoft, you know, is well-known for being multi-console, which that's why I'm also happy to seem to be supporting the Wii U again, because at you know, the end of last year, it seemed like they had pulled that. Right. And, um, it doesn't specify, the most recent trailer looks really good, but it doesn't specify, like, if it's from any specific console or if it's PC or what. They have said that, you know, they expect PC versions to be the, you know, the definitive experience visually. Right. And, you know, I would expect that's the case in PS4 and, and Xbox One will be just a little bit behind. But I, I'm thinking that, considering I haven't seen anything that looks really terrible on it, that it's probably going to be worth getting on the the, um, the newer consoles if you have them. Right. If you, if you don't, it's going to be fine getting it on PS3 and Xbox 360. I hope that there's some kind of optimization for the Wii U, considering you have the tablet. Right. I mean, that that's one reason why I could see that. That's what Isaiah was saying in the chat. That it's not going to come out at the same time as the other consoles and that they need a little more time to put it on the Wii U. That's right. So the way that game works, like Aiden Pierce's phone is, you know, essentially going to have functions 
similar to what you have with, with you tablets. So if they're going to work on that, then that's cool that it's going to come out later. That makes sense. I mean, the way the way I feel with this, and and again, the Wii U, and, and this is why I brought you on board, because there was a, a, a huge news story that came out this week, and I said to myself, I like to have Slick on board for this kind of stuff, because... You, you, you so most times we agree on a lot of stuff, but you also provide interesting counterpoints. In the case of a situation like Watch Dogs, I'm really hoping that we don't get the same situation that people had with Titanfall, which is what I was talking about. And that's, think about it. Titanfall, everybody was like, yeah, 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 get the Xbox One. It's important. You got to get it for Titanfall. Everybody went, got an Xbox One. Those that were waiting for it on the 360 got shafted. Remember, they got the delay. Then when they got the game, they were like, the only thing where the only the only part that the only difference between this and the next gen game is just the slightly better graphics but it was frame for frame the same game so a lot of people were pissed off cuz they felt they were forced to make the jump to next gen so you know it's it's interesting that ubisoft is is using a different strategy they're like listen we got all these mediums we got all these opportunities to get some money let's use them all yeah we got to spend a little more dev money to get it on the Wii U and make it compatible, but we're covering all our bases. Do you think that that you know the the backlash for Titanfall may have played a part not only with Ubisoft but just with other publishers as well? No, not 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 in terms of Watch Dogs. No, okay. Because Ubisoft is like I, I said. Ubisoft is, is, is the schoolyard bully this year. They they have all the games coming out. Right. And they're all about getting paid. So they they were going to put it out on all the consoles on the release date, with the exception of the Wii U that was going to get shafted initially. Right. And I don't know whether they had what talks they had with Nintendo, but now the Wii U is getting a version, which it's just going to be more money for them. Right. Because, you know, it'll sell on the Wii U for the people that have the Wii U. Some people might even buy it again if they got it on, let's say, a PS4. Right, and the tablet and, hacking might be a good sell if if they do that. If they integrate that, that'll be a great selling point. But there, there would be no reason to do what, what Microsoft did because it will be the same game on PS4 than it is on PS3. Right. Especially because we have a deal with Sony. Right, but it, you're releasing it, them at the... Game slightly, slightly on PS4 and PS3 than it is on Xbox One and Xbox 360. And again, that's because of said deal that there's about at least an hour of extra gameplay on the Sony console right. that none of the other consoles are at least getting initially. See, but They'll that's... probably be paid DLC later. But see, that's that's a little different, and, and, and you know I'm glad that you broke that down. What I was talking about is, you see what they did? They said, listen, we're going to release it on all the consoles at the same time, excluding the Wii, obviously, for optimization, but whatever. But still, all on the, cons- on the same consoles, all at the same time. Microsoft actually was like, all right, we got it on the PC, you got it on the Xbox One, and then you got it on the 360. And then I guess maybe they were scared of cannibalizing their own sales, but it's like, you own all three markets. What does it matter? Like, that's what used to trip me out. Like, oh, you know, the PC version looks better than the Xbox One version. Okay, great. But maybe you're not a PC gamer and you want to be a console gamer and you're going to buy it. No problem. We got you covered. Maybe you're poor and you haven't been able to make the jump to next gen yet. Or maybe you're trying to stack your chips. 
Why can't you enjoy the game at the same time as everyone else? You know what I mean? With the Wii U version, it's different because you're optimizing it and you're taking advantage of the strengths of that system. But in terms of current gen and next gen, unless it's like what you were saying, you know, extra hour of gameplay or something, an extra perk, it's it's it really should just be dropped at the same time, you know? Absolutely. And it's funny because... Uh, another game, and and I'm you know I'm bringing this up. The Transformers is releasing Rise of the Dark Spark on June 24th, and it's going to be released on Xbox One, PS4, 360, PS3, Wii U, and 3DS. Now, if if you haven't been following this, Rise of the Dark Spark is allowing you to play you know do tra- play Transformers, but you get to use you know regular Gen Transformers, but also the ones from the movie. So you can be movie Optimus Prime or, you know, War for Cybertron, quote unquote, classic Optimus. So nice little, nice little contrast in gameplay. But again, you're using all the systems at your disposal. The Transformer games are, are, you know, they're they're a guilty pleasure. They're not, they're not super great, but they're, they're, they're very fun. I thought that the first one was better than the second one. You know, obviously the second one I enjoyed it because I got to play as Grimlock, one of my favorites. But um, besides that, it was it was an enjoyable game. I mean, Rise of the Dark Spark, I think is going to, you know, it's got great timing with the movie coming out. But again, multi-platform, multi-console at the same time. Which, you know, it's really going to be the only way, unless you're going console specific, that's going to be the only way to do it. That's, that's the only way you're going to make money. Yep. The, the developers, these, these third-party developers that are not, you know, locked into to any any um, console, any any company, they got to think about, you know, you know, aside from the fact that you know they they are making more money than they need to because of all the advertising they throw in these damn games, but it's like. Your bottom line, you want to make money. You want to, of course, make back the money that you put in to create the game. Right. And then you want to make a profit because if the game makes a profit, then obviously a lot of people wanted it, and that's your your open to make a sequel, which will in turn make you more money. That's, that's correct. That's what they ultimately care about is money. That's it. The big payday. I mean, did you see the did you see the trailer for Rise of the Dark Spark? It looks it looks pretty promising. Uh, I have my own reservations on that. I mean, part of that has to do with you know how I feel right, about right right Transformers right. The, but do, the, do, the whole thing with being able to play as movie or you know Fall of Cybertron, you know, say Optimus Prime or whoever you want to play as a game like that. The gameplay is not going to be any different. Right. It's going to be a skin, and that's it. And yep. that's why I say that something like that is just a gimmick. Well, you know what's funny? GameStop is doing, of course, their pre-order bonuses, which is the Weathered Warrior Pack pre-order bonus. And um, you get two weapons, the glass gas cannon, the electro bolter, and then you get, here. this is why I wanted to, I, I wanted to bring you on board, your two bonus characters are Thundercracker and Skywarp. Which we all wow. know. Which we all From know. The blue <laughs> what they do? 
Very good. So unless you're unless you're giving me, you know, slow clap for you. Nice work. A sonic, a sonic attack that shorts out the you know the audio systems of other transformers. Unless you're giving me the ability to teleport, you're not really giving me Thundercracker and Skywalker. You're giving me purple and blue Starscream. Get the fuck out of here! Oh man, caught me mid hiccup with that. Holy shit! But that's. That's why I wanted to tell you. That's true. It's like, Am here's. I lying to you? No, sir, not at all. Dude, I was going to remember, I, t- I told you, hey, I'm going to pick up this this uh, Skywarp and Target. And we all know it's fucking Starscream repainted, but you know what I mean. You buy it anyway. But it's like, hey, you're getting two new characters. No, you're not. <laughs> I'm like, if you were telling me, you were giving me. I'm thinking of different Decepticons. You were giving me Blitzwing and Astro Train. Yep. Then there you you're go. giving me two new characters. Yes. You're giving me yes. You're giving me two flyers, but you're also giving me a tank and a train. Yep. If you're giving me Skywarp and fucking Thundercracker, you know you're not giving me any special attacks with them. Nope. You're fucking giving me reskin Starscream, blue and purple Starscream. That's it. But I'm I'm glad. I'm I'm glad. Damn these damn hiccups now. I'm glad I'm glad you you caught that because you know it's this whole big to do. You're getting two new characters. You're not. You're not. But I figure I figure you get a kick out of that. Speaking of next gen systems, of course we got E3 around the corner, and with that huge announcements. I sent you an article about the PlayStation announcements, and I don't want to get into it because then I got to source like 19 different people, which we were joking about. But um. Microsoft is kind of kind of dropping little nuggets about what they're going to do. They're going to be doing their E3 me, uh, pre-show on Monday, June 9th. They're going to show it, obviously. It's going to be called Xbox Game On, and they're going to show all the games and stuff. And, of course, they're going to show that on Xbox Live and on the networks. And um, it, it's going to be it's going to be huge. I got to I got to just acknowledge what Jay just said. That's like pouring syrup on shit and calling it a pancake. <laughs> Jay. No, Jay, it's pouring purple and blue syrup on shit and calling it a pancake. Well, here's the funny thing: Xbox, like I told you, PlayStation. We saw the announcements. They're talking about next gen Uncharted, next gen God of War, all the usual bells and whistles that they're going to try and show us at E3, and then everybody's going to get excited, and then they're going to go summer 2016. <laughs> Because, you know, that's what happens. You're like, yeah, summer 2016. <laughs> like, that's how it goes. You get all excited oh, no. and, uh, or or they'll go, they'll go holiday 2016. And you're like, but, but that's two years away. <laughs> and it's that, and that's how it goes. But in Xbox's case, it looks like we're going to start seeing some Star Wars Battlefront. Looks like EA is going to, going to unveil a little Star Wars Battlefront, which everybody's been talking about. Uh, DICE is developing the game. The last teaser trailer we saw was in 2013. So here we are midway through 2014, and we're finally going to get to see something at E3. I'm a little pumped. I did like Star Wars Battlefront when I played, when I played the original version, but let's, I let, let's play, let's play a little, a little forecast for a second. If you're uh, let, let's, let's pl- do what if, if you're a, a hardcore Xbox fan, hardcore Microsoft fan. 
What would you like to see at E3 that would make you want to invest in next gen? Take a look behind me at the catalog. I obviously, as I've said it a million times, I would want to see Crackdown Three. Okay. Um, just because I had it on Xbox and that was the best version at the time, I would want to see a brand new Hulk game done in the vein of Incredible Hulk Ultimate Destruction. Which very nice. Translation, I'm saying I actually want to see a Hulk game. I don't want to see Prototype 3. Because gotcha. as much as I love those games, motherfuckers be real. You copied Incredible Hulk Ultimate Destruction. Yep. You made a skinny dude. You called him Alex Mercer. Yep. Pretty he much. He does some of the same moves that Hulk did. That's correct. I would... I mean, I guess, I guess I'm not going to say that because they already did Titanfall, but I wouldn't mind seeing, like, a new Mecha Salt. Yeah, new Mecha Salt would be good. New, You know what? You know and what? Go ahead. Considering that some asshole walked through a Valve studio and spoiled it for them, I would actually like to see some gameplay footage from Left 4 Dead 3. Right. And, um... Every Valve fan wants to actually see what's the name three actually come out. Um, why isn't he coming to my my list, dude? Oh, the game that came with the orange box, not Portal. Oh, um, uh, Half Life. Half Life three. Thank you. Yeah, Half Life would be awesome. I'd love to see Half-Life, but this is this is the thing. This is what I'm gonna I'm gonna tell you you're gonna see. You're gonna see some sort of Halo, some sort of Gears of War, Star Wars Battlefront, maybe more Halo, some Call of Duty, and some more Gears, and some Halo. <laughs> Exactly. That's what you're. That's what you're seeing. June 9th. The Don't even play I yourself. You asked me. Right, right, right. I would like to see. Right. That would actually make you want to invest in a new console. Right. None of that works for me. Exactly. And but guess what? You know why Star Wars Battlefront? I don't give a fuck about it, and I'm not taking it away from anybody who likes that game. Because if you do, that's great. Right. The first two words in that title are Star Wars. Ah. Star Wars. You know, when you had this thing called the Star Destroyer? Yep. The Super Star Destroyer? The Death Star? (laughs) You know what those things are? They're in fucking space with the fucking stars. They're not on a planet. Come on, but you gotta shoot Ewoks. big planetary component to Star Wars. (laughs) You gotta shoot Ewoks. Come on. But people's (laughs) minds... What blew people's minds when they saw episode four was the fucking rebel assault on the Death Star, which happened in space. Yep. I want road squads. I want to fly fucking X-Wings, little tiny-ass X-Wings, fighting big-ass car destroyers and blow shit up in space. Was I ro- want to blow up a Death Star. Ro- I want to have my one X-Wing <laughs> against 300 fucking TIE fighters. Was Rogue Squadron the That's one on the GameCube? Because I remember playing one Star Wars game on the GameCube that I thought was fantastic. 
like one of the early ones where you were doing the assault on the Death Star, but it just looked really cool. Was All that World Squadron games were Nintendo? What there was Nintendo sixty four and GameCube? Yeah, there was one on GameCube that and was I just phenomenal. I loved it. I was like, wow, this is this is sick. I mean, Star Wars Battlefront, it's kind of cool because I think from a multiplayer standpoint, if you – and again, I don't know the specifics. I only know that they're good, it's going to be shown, but it'd be cool just, you know, playing with a group of your friends as a squad of stormtroopers taking on, you know, other, you know, other Jedis or maybe trying to take out uh, Ewoks or maybe you're playing as a Wookiee faction or whatever the case is or Mandalorians, whatever you want, but I think that – that would, you know, it would add the multiplayer concept or the multiplayer aspect of a game like that is definitely going to be a huge selling point. But again, execution is key. What you were talking about, about Star Wars taking place in space, I think that it should be, you know, multiplayer on planets, but multiplayer also in space. Like, I've seen very few games execute multiplayer like that in space, like a squadron of TIE Fighters or a squadron of X-Wings, and you're doing this one mission, and you're working together in tandem, and, you know, you're on your Xbox Live headset like, hey, dude, on your left, on your left. You know, it would be it would be fantastic. I'd love that. And that's where I kind of see where you're coming from because it's going to be a lot of, you know, planet planetary ground-based, you know, Call of Duty-style stuff, which, again, it's great. Yes, that's what I was going to say. It's fucking Call of Duty in a galaxy far, far away. That's all it is. It's true. Jay says he'd like to see a new Fire Pro Wrestling. I'd, I'd give anything for that. But, you know, to, to shift gears a little bit, um, Elder Scrolls Online, everybody was so pumped. Everybody was like, oh, it's coming in June. We're going to be ready to rock and roll. We're going to be ready to rock and roll. Guess what? I'm afraid I've got some bad news. <laughs> You're not going to be getting the game in June. It has been pushed back at, at minimum six months. Uh, but Bethesda said that they're working on console-specific issues that were created by porting the game. So if you are waiting and counting down, guess what? Not gonna happen. So, as unfortunate as it is, if you are waiting for that, you're gonna have to wait a little while longer. Now, the big news we gotta talk about. Nintendo. Now, the reason I brought Slick on is because... I have one more thing to shit on the, the Transformers thing. Go ahead. I, one thing which you mentioned about the, the, the extra characters that really get skin. <laughs> One thing that the Amazing Spider-Man 2 got right, even though it's still really just skin, right? when you get different costumes, you actually do get ability boosts. Like, strengthened, strengthened webbing, better spider sense, shit like that. It's not just skins this time. So, okay. you know, take that and shove it up your ass with fucking active, whoever's working on the Transformers game. <laughs> here's, here's the funny thing with that. The Transformer games are, are you know, they're going to they're gonna use one major thing to sell us on the game, and that's going to be it. Last year, you know, it was Dinobots. That that was the selling point. Everybody was like, yeah, Dinobots. And then it's like, all right, what are we doing this year? Shit. <laughs> you know, it's like, like the first year it was, yeah, man, you get to transform, and you get to run and gun and transform at the same time and transform back, and you can play the game halfway as Autobots, halfway as Decepticons. It's fantastic. 
The second one, it's like Dinobots. <laughs> like that was it's like you get to play as Grimlock and fuck shit up. And it's like, yeah. And then in the third one, it's like you get to play as old looking Transformers and new looking Transformers. Hope you want to spend 60 bucks, guys. You know, like it's it's weird. It's weird. Like the selling point, like last year, you know, not last year when when, uh, you know, the second game dropped, it's like Grimlock and they used him. And, and you know, it was like, oh, you get to only use him in dino mode. And they're like, no, but wait, there's more. And then, you know, he transformed and he's wrecking shit and everybody goes crazy. But then it's like the third one, the stuff that they're trying to sell you on is, oh, yeah, old guy, new guy. Hope you like it. I'm like, eh, not so much. You know, it's weird. Don't get me wrong. I'm still going to play it. But I, I got to say that if you are an Xbox Live, uh, on Xbox Live right now, I think they're running a sale and you can get Fall of Cybertron and War for Cybertron for five bucks a piece. So if you want to check them out and you're a Transformers fan, you can bag each game for five bucks. Not, not a bad deal. Anything else? No, I'm not commenting on that. <laughs> You're like the game's only worth five dollars. <laughs> <laughs> I know how you are, but um, Listen, my thing is, I played Fall of Cybertron. No, War for Cybertron was the first one. Yeah, we bought them together. I, I just, there's no, there's no sensible reason why. Decepticons should run out of ammo when they don't use bullets. <laughs> Touche, sir. Am I looking for ammo? <laughs> Touche, sir. Touche. <laughs> Understood. Even if I have guns that need ammo, give me a, a shitty gun that has unlimited ammo, like every other fucking game has. Right. Makes sense. Oh. So and I'm done with my land. So let's talk about Nintendo. So everybody, everybody shit themselves collectively today. Well, over the last few days, because they said, oh, Nintendo posted an annual operating loss for the third consecutive year, ending up with four $457 million in the red as Wii U sales failed to pick up, failed to pick up following the holiday season. The net loss was $228 million. The Wii U now stands as selling six six million consoles worldwide, meaning that Nintendo sold only three hundred and ten thousand Wii U's in the quarter that ended March thirty first. That's a twenty percent drop in performance from a year ago. So, a couple of things. Everybody, the first the first re, the first reaction when you hear something like that is is this oh my god ah, 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 ah. oh that's better ah, ah, ah. that's the that's what everybody thinks as soon as they hear that here's the funny thing nintendo's released what let's five consoles five consoles and out of five two of them weren't super successful do you think they give a shit? They do. Don't get, don't misunderstand. They do, but it's not like the mad scramble that people are talking about. You get what I'm saying? Yeah, it's not because I mean, at the same time, the people are trying to say Nintendo is doomed. I mean, 
keep in control of how much Sony is selling and Sony reported loss too. Thank you. You got to remember, we're coming off a recession. We're also coming off uh, console runs where the amount of games that were coming out that people were jumping out of their skin for was not on the level it previously was. You know that. You know that there was a year when Nintendo released two Mario games in the same year and I think two Zelda games in the same year. And it was all good. You get what I'm saying? So the the amount of scrambling and, and chaos, I understand. You know, it's of concern. But here's a couple of things. If Nintendo were smart, first thing they'd do, Wii U price drop. You know? That's what I'm saying. You drop yeah. it. You drop it to, what is it, $2.99 now? You go $1.99. Drop it 100 bucks. Put out a couple of bundles. You'll get back in the black. You know what I'm saying? And they're still going to get back in the black because, check this out. They're, they're forecasting an operating profit of $394 million. They're expecting to sell 12 million 3DS consoles. So, you know, yeah, there's, there's poor Wii U sales. But the only, the only thing about the Wii U sales that's poor is because there's no fucking games. That's it. That's really it. It's not even a question of, oh, the system sucks. Because you own one. It's not a terrible system. You've said it yourself. It's not. What is la- what it's lacking are more games. The only thing that's going to help move it along is going to be Mario Kart. Mario Kart will get the ball rolling. Basically. And I'll tell you this. If you want to know that Nintendo's going to that Nintendo's going to be in deep shit, it's the fact that if my Mario Kart doesn't sell systems. Like if Mario Kart 8 comes out and isn't number 1 on MPD and 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 Wii U doesn't make a serious improvement, then I'd be a little scared. You get what I'm saying? Right. If 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 those two games come out and nobody says, "Oh, you know, I'm going to buy I got to buy more." You know, I'm gonna buy a Wii U finally. Then I then I'd be like, shit, I'm a little worried. But so what? You know. Now the only thing is Mario Kart's. Well, one thing I gotta say, uh, just just before you jump in, Mario Kart's release is only gonna leave Super, you know, Super Smash Brothers as the only other first party Wii U title on the calendar. And that is the problem. Like they're gonna so there's a they're gonna reveal stuff at E3, but if everything you reveal is Fall 2015, you know it's you're not you're not gonna accomplish anything. You are you're genuinely stabbing yourselves in the heart. Well, that's something we have to see. Nintendo is good for. You know, pulling surprises out of nowhere. Well, they got the, the 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 new Pokemon games, which you know Quark was writing about, and I'm sure that's going to move some units. But again, we're not talking about the 3DS being successful because it is. And yeah, it was off to a slow start, but it picked up steam rather quickly once it started getting a you know titles out on a consistent pace. The problem with the Wii U is exactly that. It's like, oh yeah, we're going to give you Smash Brothers. And we're going to give you Mario Kart, but yeah, that's it. It's like, okay, that's great, but you have 
Why can't you put out an F-Zero? Why can't you put out, you know, a Star Fox? Uh, some sort of a Legend of Zelda, even if it's an HD remake of some sort. Maybe, a, a, why don't you use those Mario sports titles? You can clog up, you can clog up a couple of months with that. Remember on the GameCube, I had Mario Superstar Soccer that we played at my house? Who would have, who would have thought that we'd be playing Mario Superstar Soccer and having fun with that shit, Remember? Yes. But that's but this is what I'm saying. Like they're not even giving us that like listen, if you're if you're going to put out Mario if you're going to put out Mario Kart and Smash Brothers and then you're just going to leave us floating around, you know, with our with with our hands on our nuts, at least give us Mario Tennis, Mario Baseball, Nintendo All-Star Football with all the with all the Nintendo carry with all the Nintendo characters as like football players. You know, like maybe it's Bowser and a team of Koopas against Mario and a team of fucking mushrooms. But it's something, you know what I mean? I'd buy that shit. Well, not well, shit games, the problem with shit games is that the Wii, the the original Wii, we I said street games. Oh, I thought you said shit games. Well, yeah, the street games are good, but you know what it is? That that involves EA just re EA getting too comfortable rehashing the same shit. With Mario Sports, you know, you just create a basic layout, drop the characters in, and you can release them. Even if you you don't even want to release them in store, you can release them as downloadable games, you know? Cross-platform. People who play that shit. Jay says Nintendo is like the ugly chick you can have fun with, then you don't want to tell people about. (laughs) It's awful, but you got to think about it. Nintendo needs to release baseball. Not Mario Baseball. Just fucking baseball. Remember baseball for like the NES or the yep. Game Boy? That's what I mean. Dude, how about... And this is the easiest one. How about just a simple, updated version of Excite Bike? Excite Bike. <laughs> you know, well, yeah, but but think about it. Think about if you put Excite Bike on the 3DS, and you could use Street Pass and download created levels that other people created. Why not? That's the best sport. You know, sports with a lot of, a lot of fun shit with a lot of games. That and this is what I'm saying. Like, I don't understand how you and I can sit here. We don't work for Nintendo. We don't work for any major company. All all I do is I sit behind a desk with a microphone and I scream into it for three plus hours once a week. Yet I can come up with 10 ideas off the top of my head that Nintendo can use. Off the top of my head. Here, here Here's one. You want to make some money? Take Super Mario Brothers 2. The one where you pull fucking radishes out of the ground and release it for Android and iOS for $1.99. 90 seconds. Real quick, for those of you that are listening to the Blog Talk Radio feed, the English woman said we have 90 seconds on that feed. So if you are listening on Blog Talk Radio, do yourselves a favor, head over to mtrlive.com and you'll be able to listen to the show there in 96K stereo audio. Plus, you get to see my beautiful visage on video as well. Otherwise, you can get archived episodes of the show 
via iTunes, TuneIn Radio, Stitcher, and of course on the GFQ Network. 60 seconds. 60 seconds. Again, you can switch over to mtrlive.com. If not, you guys can tune in next week, Thursday at 11 p.m. Eastern, 8 p.m. Pacific. All right, so that's what I'm saying. Like, take Super Mario 2, release that shit for $1.99, and you'll, and you'll, you'll cake off. You mean to tell me you're not going to play a level or two of Mario 2 while you're sitting on the bowl at work? Or if you don't want to give money to Android and iOS, make make Doki Doki Panic 3D World for the Wii U starring Mario, which, you know, that's the original backdrop of Super Mario 2. Right. Bring back Wart and Birdo and all those fucking weirdo characters. Ten seconds. Do it in 3D like you did with Super Mario World. There you go. And this is the crazy thing. Now, the funny thing is that Nintendo released a very, very interesting statement, which I wanted to share with you. Uh, Nintendo's going to plan to actively license its characters to several unnamed parties, and it's opening up new possibilities for the company. This is straight from Satoru Iwata, which he said during the... uh, the, the briefing for the fiscal year. He said, we are not at a stage where we can share the specifics with you today, but we are seeing possibilities of licensing character IP areas, uh, character IP in areas Nintendo has never worked before. I expect to be able to discuss some of the details before the end of the, cal- of the calendar year. So, in January, Nintendo was going to announce, uh, you know, announce that it was expanding its character licensing business by allowing third-party partners to create and sell merchandise. In other words, you know, companies like Dark Horse, Pez, um, you know, different apparel companies that can put out art books and all that shit. Um, so here's the question: With them saying, "Oh, we're gonna allow you to, we're gonna license character IPs in areas Nintendo has never worked before." As soon as you hear that, what's the first thing that comes to mind? Just like you said, the phones. There you go. It's like you waited this long. You waited for your company to post a loss in the fucking millions. In the millions. To decide, oh, maybe it'd be a good idea to embrace other shit. I'm like, I'm like, are you, are, are you guys that ignorant? Besides the fact that they're going to create their own version of Disney Infinity slash, um, what's the other game with the fucking collectible toys? Uh, Skylanders. Yeah. So they're going to create their own thing, which on the Wii U, again, it's a no brainer. You have a, 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 a virtual fucking screen. Like I said, how hard is it? You go you get that you you but you take those little Pokemon toys. You create a Pokemon game for the Wii U. You gotta collect the figures. You put them on the fucking thing, and boom, they're on your screen. <gasps> oh my God, it's revolutionary! <laughs> right? Yeah. Think about but it. It's you, you know, you go you go to the Nintendo store once a month. You say, hey. Come, you know, if you get the first 300 people that come in, get the get a free Mew toy at Nintendo World. You know what I mean? Marketing, getting people in there, getting people talking about Nintendo again. You know, like that, like that's the kind of shit that 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 got people talking. It, it got people hype, you know. Yeah, 
I would like to see what they would do with their version of that game, considering, you know, not even, you know, regular characters like Mario. You have over 700 characters used with the damn Pokemon. Let me, let me, let me uh, stop you right there one second. I want you, you know, Mario! we need we need Nintendo to go back to the days of shit like this. Super Mario. One, two, and three. There's power in numbers. Nintendo, now you're playing with power. Each game sold separately. Obviously, the bullshit-ass disclaimer aside, you got hype when you saw that. When you saw that for the first time and they were chanting and shit, you're like, yes, you know? Hardcore. You were you were into it. You were You were ready. Now it's like Nintendo's marketing company, you know, Nintendo's marketing department is ran by fucking mimes. It's 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 ran by it's it's ran by torsos with no arms, no legs and no lips. Like nobody speaks up. Nobody says, "You know what would be a good idea? Commercials." Remember those? Oh yeah. Those are retro, but they work. Like 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 what happened? What happened to a good old-fashioned Super Mario commercial? Like, oh, shit, you know? We don't get I don't that. Know, I seen one in ages. Thank you. Like, Mario Kart comes out. What's Mario Kart's release date? It's this uh, month, right? I think the 30th. Okay, May 30th. Here we are. Uh, effective, effectively, because it's 2 a.m. Eastern Standard Time, we, it is effectively May 9th. The only people that know about Mario Kart not Mario Kart 8, excuse me, are people that read the internet and people that read the internet. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like kids, like kids that don't go on the internet that much. Not to say that they do that 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 they don't, but. You're you're missing out just the the excitement of just oh shit the, they show the commercial for the new Mario game you know. I think the problem is they think that everything is you know everybody's on the internet and you know if you advertise on the internet you you get your message out but the fact remains motherfuckers watch TV. Yep. Nothing beats the power of a good commercial. Thank you. Even if even if you put out a Mario commercial on fucking Super Bowl Sunday and you blow your load with like two million dollars, you know. But but at least you go, hey, remember that awesome Mario commercial they showed? The Mario Kart commercial for Super Bowl Sunday, motherfuckers would be lining up for that shit right now. Listen, if I can see a Geico commercial with the fucking talking Eminem, the gecko, and the fucking camel sharing the same space, we can do a Mario Kart commercial. Some like like you can show stupid ass NASCAR and do a commercial where all of a sudden they're doing a NASCAR race and Mario's one of the carts in the race. There you go. You know how hard I mean, how, how hard is that? Very good. No, no, I'm saying you know it's not difficult. It's not hard in the least. 
but the um, the Super Bowl was months ago, and you have every movie that advertised during the Super Bowl has like millions in ticket sales right now, even though the movie may not have come out yet. Yep, because it's 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 eyes it's eyes on a product. Listen, Nintendo needs to change their closed thinking. Because listen, look at Apple. Apple's a great example. Even if Apple doesn't sell 5 million iPhones, they make sure to tell you in their real subtle, douchey sort of way, like, hey, our phones are better than yours. Fuck you. Have a nice day. You know, like, like it's, not, it's nothing crazy, just a simple voiceover. Like, think of the commercial. Here's a great example. The commercial for the iPad with Brian Cranston for the iPad Air. Simplistic, easy to see, but it conveyed a message of, hey, we're we're replacing a fucking pencil. Yeah, we're the most creative device since the pencil. I'm like, right, but right, but it's a nice commercial. It gets you thinking about the iPad. Thank you. It gets you thinking. It gets you engaged. It gets you, you know, willing to give that product a shot. It's it's like wow that's that's kind of cool. Look at all the cool shit I can do with this iPad. Like how hard is it to to do that with the Wii U? You go, "Hey. Hey, can your Xbox do this?" And it's like you're watching a game and you know, you're playing a game, your mom comes in, "Hey, I want to watch my show." And the kid goes, "Okay, mom." And you put the game right on the fucking tablet. And the kid is sitting there on the couch and the mom is watching whatever bullshit ass TV show you want to use for product placement. Let people know this shit. How hard is that? You see what I'm saying? The easiest marketing tool is at your fingertips, and you're too busy complaining about not be about gamers not being able to pick the same sex in a fucking game. That's that's your focus. That's what you care about. Who gives a shit? You're 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 not exactly setting the world on fire fiscally right now. You don't have a surplus of money. You're just chilling. Yeah. You got it. You got money in the bank because you have, you know, four. you had three or four successful consoles. But guess what? People only remember the negative. They're only going to say, hey, man, remember when Nintendo fucking posted that shitty ass loss and the Wii U, they had to drop that shit to one forty nine to sell it. I don't want that. This is exactly why. This is exactly why, even though they struggled last console cycle, this is exactly why Sony is on top right now. Because everybody in the chat, I want you to think about something. When you're watching a show and it goes to commercial, you might go get a snack or you might, you know, go take a shit or you might do, do whatever. Right. But. You hear the commercials, like you're listening to commercials to make sure that you don't miss the, you know, when your show comes back. Right. But if you hear a certain sound, if you hear that ding, yes, runs back to the couch because you know that it's only commercials about to start. That's you right. You don't know what the fuck they're advertising. Yep. Microsoft has a similar thing, but that sound effect that doesn't happen until the end of the commercial. Yep. Sony, Sony has you trained like fucking dogs. This is true. Because you hear that, and you know the Sony commercial is about 
start. The following game is rated E for everyone. <laughs> you know, that's that's Bro, how. Before you even hear that, I know, right? But that's what I mean. Like, like people, people, you know, that listen to the show, they're like, "Oh, it's Rich going off on Nintendo again." You have to understand. I grew up with Nintendo. I grew up with Sega. I grew up with these companies, and I, I, I never want to see any of these companies not succeed. I don't, I don't want to see them not succeed. I want to see them succeed because. They're staples of, of, of our childhood. They're staples of, you know, things that we remember during times when things were simpler. Not only that, but it's things we just want to pass on to our kids. I want my kids to play the next Nintendo in 10 years, you know? It's like, I, I wonder what happened, too, because, I mean, you figure Nintendo commercials, you used to see at least three of them a day for, like, different games. Right. The most used to be crazy. Freaking Toys R Us used to be the home of Nintendo and shit. It's yep. like, what happened to all this shit? What happened to your advertising? Nope. Like, 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 like you know, in 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 the words of the Joker, it's like, it's like, did you lose your balls? You know, like, 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 like that's what it, like, that's what it was. It's like, it's like, what happened to you guys? You guys were at the top of the food chain, and now you got no balls. That's Nintendo. They got no balls. They got a plumber with no meatballs. That's what they got. It's like, it's me. I'm poor. You know, that's that's what that's what you got. That's what you fucking got. You got a plumber chasing a hedgehog with no money. It's like Wiley Coyote and the Roadrunner with Mario as Wiley Coyote. Cause you could play Sonic on everything. I played Sonic Sonic Racing Transformed on my note while I was in the while I was in the bowl. All right. Honestly, <laughs> commercial of a plumber in red blue sitting in the dark with a day mask on. It's like it's like it's like I just want Mario to I just want I just want Mario to be a real guy and just walk up to Reggie and be like. Do you feel in charge, Mario? <laughs> like, like seriously, like that's what you like. That's the kind of shit you want because it's like, yo, Nintendo, you guys have all these great properties. Like, when was the last time we saw a fucking Kirby game on a console? Fucking Kirby, a fucking wad of gum with eyes that swallows other things. It's like the blob and shit. But no, not a problem. No, you know, we're good. We're good. People are going to play Mario Kart. Oh, look, we added one new track. $60, please. Like, come on, you fucks. (laughs) (laughs) And I just feel bad. You know, I want Nintendo to succeed. Like I said, it's an institution. It's part, and like Strider said it before, you know, Nintendo's not going anywhere, but Nintendo's respect is what's going anywhere. You let the new kids on the block just push you around and take your lunch money. Like last year, Xbox was fucking, you know, Xbox was whooping everybody's ass last year. This year, Sony's having the last laugh and Nintendo's like, yeah, we're good. It's like, no, no, you're not good. You're not good. You're not. People are using the Wii U. There's a little bit of money in advertising. That's it. And advertise for Mario Kart. Hire like 50 children and freaking map their faces so it looks like a freaking 
a whole a whole um, grandstand of freakish fans, and then use the the, the Wii U graphics for for Mario and his crew at the starting line and everything. Dude, have little kids going nuts about the race and. Just make a fucking commercial. I got an idea. How about you just pay Mike Tyson to use his likeness and release a next-gen Mike Tyson game on the Wii U? A brand-new punch-out. How hard is that? Maybe you can create your own little Mac and make him look the way you want. You could do a long-haired little Mac, short-haired little Mac, black little Mac, white little Mac, brown Mac, big Mac, blue Mac. (laughs) You know? Like, how hard is that? Hey, Mike, you want a little money? Sure, I'll take some money. I'll punch your tiger in the nuts. <laughs> you know? All right, Mike, here you go. Punch five tigers in the nuts if you want. No problem. All of a sudden, brand new 2016 Mike Tyson punch out on the Wii U. Ding, ding, ding. And then you just see, you see like a brand new next gen Mario come out in his little ref suit and be like, okay, back to work. Round one, you know? How hard is that? You got to have the, the freaky, the fat dude on the bike train a little Mac. Absolutely. Absolutely. You have you have a guy dressed as Little Mac, and that'll be great product placement where you can do a contest where if you see Little Mac and his trainer through, come through your neighborhood and you stop him, you get, you know, like a prize. China, I can't stand you. Mike Tyson spelling me. <laughs> How do you spell uterus? U T the number four eight seven <laughs> niner. I punch you in the face. <laughs> but seriously, it, it's like, come on. How hard is that? You get to do like think about think about marketing for a second. Just joking around. Think about it. The guy's on the bike, and if you see him, if you see Little Mac training in your city, stop him for a prize or stop him for, like, a free DLC code or something. But you see what I'm saying? Think outside of the box. You know? Why do I have to spell Nintendo? Hire MTR to to revitalize your freaking marketing. Dude, it's like... It's like back on track. It, it, it's like Mike Tyson was in the fucking hangover. You mean to tell me that you can't use him to promote a game? Hi, I'm Mike Tyson. You may remember me from Mike Tyson's Punch Out from 1985. Well, I got brand new challenges, and Little Mac wants to take my title. Can you? You know how hard is that? Here, Mike. Here's you know an extra million dollars and a jar of peanut butter and five pigeons that look like Bowser. How hard is that? Hey, you can you here's a special pigeon that we crossbred with a turtle that looks like a Koopa. You're welcome. Here's a very holy shield Thank you. But seriously. <laughs> Mike, how do you spell Nintendo? N I the number three T D fourteen <laughs> Nintendo. <laughs> you know, like <laughs> <laughs> Love Mike Tyson, dude. Mike Tyson was an instrument of destruction. Love Iron Mike to death. But come on, man. How hard is that? That's it. 
It, oh yeah, it's awful. But dude, that that's all it takes. And then it's funny because Mike Tyson could be playing Punch Out, and then all of a sudden he could just like he could be playing the game. You don't even show it, and he's like, "Don't you hate when that happens?" And the camera pans around, and it's you getting knocked down by Mike Tyson. And he's jamming on the buttons. What if you could play Punch Out as Mike Tyson and fight all the other guys? You know, like a road to redemption. Like Mike Tyson lost his belt. He's no longer the champ, and you got to play through Punch Out as Mike Tyson fighting Piston Honda, King Hippo, you know Gabby J. Yay! You know. I got it. You, you play as Mike Tyson. You have two versions of the commercial. If you're watching the commercial during the day, you know when kids might be up. <laughs> oh, here you, you go. For Mike Tyson Punch Out. But if it's nighttime, you're like watching a dope drum or something, you hear freaking the the what's the the Phil Collins song before he knocked out the dude from the hangover. There you go. But that but that's what I'm saying. Like But that but that's the dude, that would be the best way to do it. You take Mike Tyson, you play Mike Tyson's punch out, but instead you could play as either Little Mac and that'll be like That'll be your creative fighter mode, your career mode. Or you could play the story mode where Mike Tyson lost his belt, Little Mac is champion, and you got to fight as Mike all the way through. How awesome would that shit be? It would be amazing. That's all I'm saying, dude. I, I, dude, I, a Mike Tyson game, Mike Tyson punch out where you got to play as Mike and get your career and your belt back, and then you fight Little Mac, and he's got, like, the, you know, like, the super hard fucking uh, super punch that you can't beat, like the star punch. All right, it'd be amazing. People, be dude, people would jump on that shit immediately. I'd, pre- I'd buy a system for that. But All anyway. you got to do is remake some of the games from the NES and... It's like they do back on top. That's it. Listen, if you can crowdsource Shaq Fu and get that paid on Kickstarter for Shaq Fu 2, which did happen, somebody can do a Kickstarter for Mike Tyson and release that on another system. You know, get Mike involved. Be like, listen, this is an idea I got. What do you think? He'd do it. I think he'd do it. I think he'd be down. But, you know, no. Why the fuck is it? It's an easy payday. They're just using his likeness and it's freaking what he, what, he, what he made money on. Freaking beating the shit out of people. There you go. But who knows? Anyway, that actually is, uh, that, I, that was the last bit of uh, gaming news. Is there anything you wanted to add? No, I'm good for now. All right. With that said, uh, if you if anything, I'll bring you back in during the movie segment. All right, man. Peace. All right, peace. All right, that was our very own Slick. Uh, let's get into this week's entertainment news. There's quite a bit to discuss. We got some trailers that we got to discuss, including the brand new uh, trailer for Dawn of the Planet of the Apes that was sent to me. I received it via email. Got to share that with you guys. So let's get that ball rolling and talk some entertainment, shall we?
All right, on the entertainment side of things, there is quite a bit to discuss. There's a lot of stuff going on on multiple fronts. We got some sequel news. We got some crazy entertainment news. We even got a little bit of what the fuck movie news this week. So let's not go into too much overtime and get the ball rolling. First up, on some small screen news, you guys remember Boy Meets World with, uh, you know, Fred Savage's brother and the always very attractive Topanga. Well, guess what? We are going to be getting a brand new uh, incarnation of that, so to speak, called Girl Meets World, which is going to follow uh, Corey and Topanga's daughter. It's the sequel to that show, and it's actually going to be airing starting June 27th, and you'll be able to watch that on, um, I believe it's going to be on the Disney Channel. But again, all, all the, the, the characters we remember from Boy Meets World, you'll probably see them in some capacity, you know, Ryder Strong and all those characters. But Again, very cool to see that. It's a nice little throwback to our childhood. In any event, if you were a fan of Boy Meets World, Girl Meets World will be debuting in June. All right, so uh, Doctor Who is joining the next Terminator film, that being the one and only 11th Doctor, Matt Smith, who will be joining the Terminator franchise in Terminator Genesis as a close friend or, well, a close relation, well, they're saying close relation or strong connection to John Connor. So there you have it. Terminator Genesis, like I said a couple of weeks back, is a very interesting take on the Terminator series because it's going to be a film that not only is going to have its own story, but it's also going to jump into existing Terminator uh, mythology, including T2, uh, probably Terminator 1, hopefully not the third Terminator. But either way, Arnold is going to be involved. And of course, they got a brand new cast. Um, Amelia Clark from Game of Thrones will be Sarah Connor. Jason Clark from Zero Dark Thirty will be playing. Um, he'll be playing John. Is he playing John Connor? I I forget. I know Jai Courtney is playing Kyle Reese, and I do think Jason Clark is playing John Connor, if I'm correct. But um, Arnold Schwarzenegger, of course, is going to be involved. But uh, it's coming together quite nicely. I'm not 100% sold on the plot, but I'm going to reserve judgment until I see a trailer. And I learn a bit more about it. So, again, we'll see how that pans out in the coming weeks. Godzilla, of course, is going to hit theaters on the 16th. And we've talked about it quite a bit. And it's funny because the brand new Godzilla that they released, the brand new trailer, is um, it's a the trailer that was released in Asian markets. And I wanted to share this trailer with you because shortly after this trailer came out, there was a lot of feedback about Godzilla being too fat. According to a report that Time put out, they're saying that Japanese fans are not happy with Godzilla's new look because they feel he is too fat. Uh, one fan that got to see Godzilla said, when I saw it, I was a bit taken aback. It's fat from the neck downwards and massive on the bottom. Other fans claimed that Godzilla had done a supersize me and became a Godzilla Deluxe. One Japanese fan said that he's so fat that I laughed. Again, uh, very interesting opinions from the Japanese audience with regards to the brand new Godzilla, but this brand new trailer definitely makes me hyped to see the movie. But you know what? Don't take my word for it. Check this out because it is definitely badass. Whatever it is in there whatever it is they're guarding so carefully 
Can you kill him? I believe something can. A monster. No, a god. If that shit doesn't get you hype, you're crazy. Because it is ridiculous. Ridiculous. Especially because we got to see the other monster, or the Muto, as it's called, that he's going to be fighting in Godzilla. Listen, whether you think he's fat or he's not... Originally, Godzilla was played by a guy in a fucking rubber suit. So... Before anybody complains about whether the monster's too fat or not too fat, how about you see the movie first and stop worrying about whether the monster needs to be on a diet or not? Because let's remember, when Godzilla was skinny and running from Matthew Broderick, he was shitty. So I'll take a fat Godzilla as long as the movie is awesome. That's all I'm saying. Anyway, let's go down the list for some of the other news for this week. Uh, The Beverly Hills Cop series that was originally scheduled to hit the small screen Pretty much tanked, not going to happen. So we're going to get a brand new Beverly Hills Cop film, Beverly Hills Cop 4, as a matter of fact. And it will be hitting theaters March 25th, 2016. As of right now, the plot details are very, very scarce, but it's pretty much going to have Axel Foley returning to his Detroit roots. So we'll see where that goes. Of course, Brett Ratner will be directing and it will have a script from Josh Applebaum and Andre Nemec. I actually like the original concept that they were going for where it was going to be Axel Foley Jr., but I guess they're figuring Eddie Murphy doesn't want to play second banana to anybody, so we're going to get a fourth Beverly Hills Cop in 2016. But that's not the only sequel news we got this week. We're also going to be getting Halloween 3D. Now, if you remember, Rob Zombie did the first two Halloween remakes, which were pretty good. I actually enjoyed them just based on the amount of crazy violence that Michael Myers was dishing out, but it looks like we are going to get a third one. Like I said, aptly titled Halloween 3d. Now what I'm curious about is, is it going to be a straight remake or is it going to be a sequel as of right now? They didn't confirm whether it is, or it isn't going to tie into the first films, but they also get this, even though it's being reported as Halloween 3d, they haven't confirmed that it's going to be in 3d. Just saying a little, a little weird, but another Halloween is practically guaranteed at this point. So take that for what it's worth. Earlier this month, we got to see a trailer for the animated Star Wars Rebels series, which from what they've been saying and take this as a rumor, the characters that you'll be seeing in Star Wars Rebels will be also appearing in the brand new Star Wars cinematic universe. So again, a little bit of a tie in there, which is, which is pretty cool. Um, but again, if you were fans of the animated Clone Wars series, Star Wars Rebels does look incredibly promising. 
Strider in the chat says, I'm curious, if there's a 200-story monster destroying shit, the first thing crossing my mind won't be, oh my god, he's got to lay off the McDonald's. He's got child support payments. <laughs> it's true. I mean, 200-story monster destroying shit, and you're going to worry about that he's fat from the neck down. Who cares? Did you like the movie? Like, if the movie was good and the monster was a little bigger than he should have been, listen, we are a country of excess. Look how huge Godzilla is in relation to previous incarnations. If you look up, there's actually an infographic, which maybe Slick can find if, if possible. It's an infographic that shows this Godzilla and his size in relation to previous Godzilla monsters. And yeah, it's the biggest one, but when you're comparing it for scale and you're trying to make it scary and make people really trip out plus we live in a society where IMAX is fucking king why wouldn't you have a 200 story monster that's taken up an entire screen in IMAX it's amazing I'll take that in a heartbeat just saying but to each his own on the box office side of things it should come as no shock whatsoever that amazing Spider-Man 2 was number one this past weekend, earning, get this, $92 million in the U.S. That, in addition to its very, very large international total, is bringing it right into the record books once again. Like I said, $92 million opening weekend, plus um, on top of that, it looks like the film is probably going to add another $200 million overseas as well. I'm telling you, we're probably going to get a, a billion dollar box office sooner rather than later. Plus, of course, you got the IMAX uh, numbers that you're going to factor in as well. It's definitely a huge haul for Spider-Man. This weekend is a little quiet. I mean, you got neighbors with um, Seth Rogen and the, the guy from High School Musical. But then uh, the tw on the 16th, of course, you got Godzilla. And on the 23rd, right before Memorial Day weekend, you have X-Men uh, days of future past so it's going to be a great may that's going to start off the summer blockbuster season i mean i do feel spider-man did kind of get the ball rolling but again 92 million dollars nothing to scoff at of course the other woman held on in the number two slot heaven is for real came in at number three captain america stuck around in the number four slot rio two was number five brick mansions was number six people were saying it was surprisingly good uh, Divergent was number seven. The Quiet Ones was eight. God's Not Dead was number nine. And the Grand Budapest Hotel was number 10. Speaking of Amazing Spider-Man 2, of course, we are working on, well, me personally, I'm working on the review for it. But of course, for those of you that have read a couple of things and stuck around, stuck around after the credits, you know that they are busy uh, trying to set up the rumored Sinister Six film. Of course, this isn't a spoiler because it's everywhere. If you have seen the closing credits and you use Shazam, you can actually see the rumored characters that they will be using for the standalone Sinister Six. But there is an alternate ending that they did have, which depending on which market you saw the film, usually at the end of the credits, you'd have whatever Marvel wants you to see. In this particular instance, due to their relationship with Fox, if you stick around after the credits for Amazing Spider-Man 2, you just get a scene from X-Men Days of Future Past. Again, this isn't a spoiler because it's just a scene from another film. It doesn't tie in. Spider-Man's not going to swing into an X-Men movie. It's just, you know, a partnership between studios, and that's it. But other markets did get an alternate ending 
involving Norman Osborne. I'm not going to spoil it because some of you guys that are in other markets may, may have not seen it yet, and you may be lucky enough to get that ending. If you guys do get that ending, please let me know what market you're in. I'm just curious, and I'd like to know your thoughts on it. So feel free to reach out on our Facebook fan page or send me an email, mtrhost at mytakeradio.com, and let me know your thoughts on the end scene from Amazing Spider-Man 2. Again, The Sinister Six will be next, followed by Amazing Spider-Man 3, and then probably Amazing Spider-Man 4. It looks like The Sinister Six film will bridge the gap between Amazing Spider-Man 2 and 3, and obviously Spidey will face off with them in the third film. At least that's what we're being led to believe thus far. Plans can change, but for right now, that looks like the direction we will be going in. Earlier this week, we saw the trailer for the brand new Gotham TV series, which looked surprisingly good. I think um, there was a lot of, there really was a lot of potential there. I mean, watching Green Arrow, uh, you know, on on the CW and seeing what they've done with that show and how much promise they've shown with that show and the direction it's going, I have hope that Gotham is going to be as good. But um, a, a lot of people are going to be bummed just because of of a certain uh, you know, important feature that Commissioner Gordon is la- uh, well, Detective Jim Gordon is lacking, but I have a feeling that we're going to see that sooner rather than later. So I want you guys to check the trailer out. Let me know your thoughts because it does look surprisingly solid. Check this out. So looking at that, it looks incredibly promising. 
My only concern with that is that if it doesn't do well, Fox usually likes to cut the cord before it lets a series gain its legs. So I really hope that's not the case. I, I really, really hope that they give it time and they let it develop. I think there's a lot of great storytelling there, a lot of good stuff they can show. And like I said, you don't you don't have to build it completely around Batman. And if you do, you can let the kid grow up and become Batman at the end. It definitely looks extremely promising. I can tell you this. I was more excited for that, much like Strider said, than I was for the trailers for Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Don't get me wrong. Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. has improved tremendously. But initially, I almost was going to pull the plug and not watch it because it was one-dimensional as all hell. Now, there's some layers. There's some decent storytelling. It's giving us something different. So, again, Gotham looks incredibly promising, and we'll see how it pans out in the coming months. So, I will say this, and this should come as no shock. A couple of months back, we were talking about a Point Break remake and uh, Gerard Butler was on board as, uh, you know, for the role of Bodhi. As it turns out, it looks like Gerard Butler saw what a lot of people else are going to see, that the movie's just a terrible idea, and he decided to not do it. So he has dropped out. He didn't give a reason. So it looks like the role of Bodhi will need to be recast. Definitely very, very interesting uh, where they're going to go with this remake, but Gerard Butler is officially out. Meanwhile, on, on a, a bit of news that is one part exciting, one part concerning for me personally as a fan is the brand new relationship that was established between Lionsgate and Saban in terms of they're going to try and bring a new live action uh, feature film based on the Power Rangers to the big screen. Now, I'm a, I'm a longtime Power Ranger fan all the way back to the first series. I even watch the new ones now. I've watched, the, you know, the Japanese ones, uh, you know, it's a, it's a staple. It's something I never get tired of. And here's the thing. Gem is coming to the big screen. Transformers is on the big screen. G.I. Joe's on the big screen, on the big screen. And special effects and technology have evolved so, so much that I don't know. I mean, I think Power Rangers might be successful. And I think it's one of the, the truest, uh, you know, the more the more truer of well, the shows that had a better message. Let's go, let's go that route. Every episode has a, you know, every episode had had a great message behind it. Uh, where they're gonna go with it, I don't know. I will say this: that Xavier Woods uh, from WWE is uh, actively seeking assistance from WWE Studios to be the Black Ranger, which is pretty cool. Um, Strider says Jason David Frank gets a gig. I I. Dude, I couldn't tell you. I wish uh, Jason David Frank, of course, uh, formerly the Green Ranger, then the White Ranger, then the Red Zeo Ranger. Um, he was a past guest on our MTR Beyond the Mic interview series, uh, an incredibly talented uh, individual, an amazing human being. And hopefully, hopefully he gets to be involved in this. I think it's an awesome project. I think that a new generation of fans would appreciate it, but you need to to take your time and not go crazy. I think from an effect standpoint, it'll probably be ridiculous. It'll be way over the top and people will be into it. But again, as of right now, there's no plot details. There's nothing except the fact that Lionsgate and Saban are going to try and put a live action film out where it goes. We shall see now. Wouldn't be an episode of MTR without some what the fuck movie news. And that involves the Flintstones coming back 
to the big screen. Now, before you get super crazy with it, understand it's not going to be live action Flintstones. On the contrary, it is going to be a brand new animated update. Uh, it's going to be put together by Will Farrell and Adam McKay. So definitely very interesting. Uh, the people that are involved, of course, the animated show ran, I think it was seven years. I, remember I watched it on the Cartoon Network via reruns. Of course, they did two films, uh, live action that were awful to say the least, but um, a live action Flintstones, again, we've done the Smurfs, we've done everything else, everything old is new again, but yes, the Flintstones are coming back to the big screen, just not in live action. Thank God. Speaking of the Flintstones, one, one, one guy who you guys may know from the Flintstones, that would be uh, John Goodman, is going to be involved, get this, in the brand new Transformers film. Now you're probably asking yourself, who is John Goodman going to play in Transformers Age of Extinction? Well, Michael Bay's website shared some interesting nuggets of information, uh, including that John Goodman and Ken Watanabe will both be lending their vocal talents to two Autobots in the film. John Goodman will be voicing Hound, which a lot of you guys that watch the original Transformers show will know, and Watanabe will be voicing the character of Drift. Of course, they'll be joining Peter Cullen, Frank Welker. Of course, Cullen returns to voice Optimus Prime. Welker will be voicing Galvatron. Of course, Welker voiced Galvatron in the original 1984 Transformers animated series, as well after Leonard Nimoy voiced Galvatron in Transformers the movie. As many of you know, Welker was also the original voice of Megatron, and he was also the voice of the character in Transformers Prime. So very, very interesting. Um, of course, a uh, very huge voiceover cast, including uh, John DiMaggio, who's going to be voicing Crosshairs. Uh, Mark Ryan is going to be voicing Lockdown. Robert Foxworth will be reprising his role as Ratchet. And Reno Wilson will be the voice of Brains. So there you go. A couple of new actors added to Transformers Age of Extinction. And again, I think Hound with John Goodman's voice, I think it'll work. I think it won't be too bad. But again, once we get more news and I get some more pictures and stuff, I will, of course, share it with you guys. On the small screen side of things, a couple of series got picked up. Constantine got a full season pickup for NBC. In addition to that, iZombie I and The Flash got full season pickups on the CW. So there you go. For those of us that are comic fans, we got quite a bit of stuff to look forward to. Of course, Constantine, you'll be seeing it in the fall, along with The Flash and iZombie. The Flash and iZombie will be on the CW, and Constantine will be on NBC. All right, so Strider's going to love this, and I'm sure. So they've been talking about doing another lethal weapon for quite some time. Originally, they were saying that we were going to do a lethal weapon sequel that would follow the Sun's of Riggs and Murtaugh as they entered the police force. Then they said we were going to go the reboot route and we were going to create a brand new franchise in the same vein as Lethal Weapon and we would go that route. Well, according to a uh, website, The Tracking Board, they're saying that Chris Hemsworth has been offered the lead in a Lethal Weapon reboot directed by Justin Lin, of course, who directed Fast 6. And um, the way it's going to, uh, the way the script looks, according to what, the tracking board is saying, along with Collider, is that the film is going to follow the son of the older cop, presumably Riggs, 
and his wishes to join the police force. Of course, this plot would leave the door open to connect the reboot to the originals and, of course, would allow Mel Gibson and or Danny Glover to be involved in either cameo or supporting roles. As of right now, it looks like all the original pieces from the other films, you know, Shane Black will be lending some input. But the funny thing is that even though Hemsworth has been offered the role, that doesn't mean he's going to take it because he's got Avengers Age of Ultron and a couple of other films under his belt. But given, you know, Mel Gibson, this was a great star vehicle for him. I think Chris Hemsworth would do well as as Martin Riggs. I don't think he'd bring the same level of insanity to the character, but I think Hemsworth would do pretty well. Of course, the rumored uh, casting for the son of uh, Detective Murtaugh, of course, is everybody's favorite African-American in Hollywood right now, Michael B. Jordan. That, take it with a grain of salt right now, but um, I think Chris Hemsworth, you're going to need somebody of not equal standing, but definitely somebody who's young enough that you can get two or three films out of them. Michael B. Jordan, even though he's, you know, the Hollywood it boy right now for everything, I think he's got the right chops to, to pull it off alongside Chris Hemsworth. Again, this is all speculation, but our lethal weapon, a lethal weapon reboot is definitely in the cards. All right. So. To wrap things up on the movie news before we talk about some trailers, uh, X-Men Apocalypse, which of course will be the follow-up to X-Men Days of the Future Past, is supposedly going to be set in the 80s and will allow us to finally see young Storm, young Cyclops, and young Jean Grey. Of course, this next set of fi- this next film following Days of the Future Past will continue to use the original first-class cast members and they will involve them in the plot as well. Of course, this being Michael Fassbender, James McAvoy, Nicholas Holt, and of course, Jennifer Lawrence's Mystique. So very interesting that we're going to start seeing Storm, Cyclops, and Jean Grey, and that we're going to go in that direction, considering that, you know, in the original X-Men films, we know that's, that Cyclops died. So it's interesting that they're going to go this route and use some of those staple characters that we know all so well from other X-Men books. Again, the Age of Apocalypse, well, not Age of Apocalypse, excuse me, the X-Men Apocalypse film right now, uh, you know, it's something that's heavily being discussed uh, other than the, the title and a couple of, you know, nuggets of plot that have been given out. We don't know much. And of course, there's also the the big question mark of whether Hugh Jackman will return as Wolverine because he figures that his third Wolverine film will be his last. But um who knows? He may do Wolverine and, and X-Men Apocalypse and then wrap it up. We shall see what happens. All right. So a couple of new trailers came out this week. And one particular trailer I did want to share with you guys was for Dawn of, Plan- Dawn of the Planet of the Apes. And the reason I want to share that with you is because that film, the, the, the first Planet of the Apes remake with um, James Franco was a lot better than I had expected. And in, in addition to that, it just had such a, uh, such a great story and it was surprisingly good. So I said to myself, how do you plan on following this up? How do you plan on making this better? And based on the trailer that I saw that I got today, I think they got something real. They got something not, I'm not saying they got something special, but at least they have something that's more cohesive and, and a better, a better story than, you know, the Mark Wahlberg Planet of the Apes. I definitely like where they're going. I like that they're giving uh, Caesar 
Caesar his own identity. I see that the uh, the Blog Talk Radio feed dropped off, but either way, it's all right. I'll upload the episode to Blog Talk Radio. As I was saying, um, I like what they did with Caesar. I think that it's going to give the character an interesting dynamic, especially with his interactions with the human survivors. But I have high hopes. It looks promising. Check the trailer out for yourselves and make your own decision. Check it out. As I was saying, it looks it looks incredibly promising. Um, you know, we'll see how it pans out. But I figured I'd share that trailer with you guys before we wrap things up. As always, feel free to share your thoughts on the trailers on MyTakeRadio.com or on our Facebook fan page or via Twitter. All right, guys. So that's going to wrap up this week's show. I just realized we went into practically the four-hour mark. I got I to gotta stop doing so much overtime, but... That's what happens. We get into these these conversations and shit goes down. But either way, I'm your host, Rich, and you've just heard My Take Radio episode 227 for Thursday, May 8th, 2014. If you want to be a guest on a future episode of My Take Radio, or you're interested in advertising with us, or you have any questions or concerns, send me an email, mtrhost at mytakeradio.com. If you want to follow us on social media, you can hit us up on Facebook, facebook.com forward slash MyTakeRadio. Follow our boards on Pinterest, 
And of course, you can follow us on Twitter at my take radio or add us to your circle on Google plus. And as always, if you want to support the show, click the banners on the sites, uh, make sure to hit us up on Patreon. Like I said, every little, every little bit of, of money that we raise through Patreon will continue to improve the show and give us better hardware, allow us to cover more events and create better content for you guys, the viewers on behalf of myself, slick and the rest of the MTR family. I will catch you guys next week at 11 PM Eastern, 8 PM Pacific. All right. So let's take it home and pick ourselves some outro music. Again, I screwed up. I had to pick some outro music last week. I mean, earlier today and I, I dropped the ball. So, uh, yeah, let's, let's see what we got today. I figured, um, we're going to go out with our friends from the maniac agenda with their song, the awakening from the halo Four remix again. Thanks for listening. I will see you guys next week. Peace. I'm rich, bitch. Uh, 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 uh